tell you that I do not bleach my asshole, that that's going to be used against me. (laughs) (laughs) I'm blushing, Jamie. You've achieved blush on me. So, Uh, well, of course I listened to the show. Are you kidding me? (laughs) And now I'm blushing. You knew that anyway because I I randomly post things like photos of the fire alarm with the little hammer and (laughs) you know things like that. So I don't just pull that out of my unbleached ass. (laughs) 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 Who's God Almighty? How many references to your unbleached ass are we going to have tonight? Several. Several? Several. How many Several. do you want? Yeah. Well, we're going to... I'm going for a baker's dozen here tonight. I was going to do this whole spiel about how I was going to be like, we've got a lady. Yeah, we have a you, lady. You need, to, you need to be classy, That's Matt. That's fucking over. That's all out the window. All over. It's yeah, fucking I'm done. Kiss that I'm... fucking bit goodbye. <laughs> yeah. I ruined that when as soon as I answered the phone, I was like, fuck shit. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're right, Court. She's a lady. We should watch ourselves. Anyone who isn't dead or from another place of existence would do well to cover their ears right about now. Garbage people. Cinema Psyops. My personal view is that it's nauseating, disgusting, degrading, ghastly, steamy, cruelly and pioristic and generally nauseating. They are unbelievably nauseating. They are the antithesis of humankind. I regard them as disgusting, nasty, horrible, without any kind of merit. I just do not believe that any allegedly cultural activity which strikes at the roots of culture is to be applauded. They represent nothing, to my mind, enduring, decent, or worthwhile. I just do not believe that they contribute anything worthwhile to inflict themselves upon society at large. I would like to see somebody dig a very, very large, exceedingly deep hole and drop the whole bloody lot down it. You know, I think uh, the whole world would be vastly improved by their total and utter non-existence. Cinema Psyops with Hort and Matt. Hello and welcome to Cinema PsyOps, the show that intentionally earworms your brain with its theme song, trying to make sure that you get just addicted to us as Matt is to his smack. And speaking of that meth-addicted mastermind of massive egomania, it's Matt. One of us. One of us. (laughs) Join our cult. Join our cult. One of us. Join our cult. By the way, while you guys come, bring me some smack. (laughs) One of us. One of us. Or the cash for which you can buy your smack. Yes, one of the two. Yeah. But I need it. Bringing either some cash for smack or smack yes podcast royalty in the motherfucking house tonight folks we got jamie jammins what's up cinema psyops <laughs> i am so excited to be here i have been waiting for this and waiting for this oh i seriously thought it was never gonna get here and then like i was all excited about an hour ago and then i realized shit central time <laughs> so <laughs> Yes, I had to wander we're around. Of nowhere. <laughs> we literally live in the middle of the country, yeah. so it's smack, smack dab, dab in, in the, the middle. middle. Yeah. yeah, we are the dead letter center of the United States of America here in Omaha. It's like the downtown post office. We're, we're best to investor a nation than right <laughs> start in the middle. Yeah. Huh? yeah, I had a boss who was from Omaha, and she used to make fun of me all the time um, because I'm Southern. And in the Midwest, you guys, you're known for. That's why all the old news people used to come from the Midwest, and a lot. 
lot of TV people came from the Midwest because there was basically no accent. That's that's a big part of it. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah, there's a shitload of call centers here for that reason. Until right. Until like a lot of companies started shipping off call center jobs to India. Yeah, we were the call center capital of the world because no accents whatsoever. And yeah, the, everyone can understand you. Yeah. And then there's also the fact that uh, you can pay someone in Omaha low wages because yeah, we's a bunch of dumb Midwesterners. And also our cost of living is fucking ridiculous. Really, it, it's pretty good. Yeah. 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 It's, well, I now owe her five better. dollars because <laughs> I swore to her for years that no one lived in Nebraska. <laughs> and you have proven me wrong. I I'm imported from Pennsylvania, and I'm the only reason I'm from here Wisconsin is my wife is here. Well, Wisconsin huh? is like the other Nebraska, only Kinda. more morbidly obese. Well, more more, and more, and more <laughs> of a Canadian accent with it as well. Yeah, there's yeah. definitely Thanks, an I was born in Wisconsin. Aww. <laughs> I, but now I have been imported or exported, I guess, to Michigan. So I'm oh, Michigan. plants. Yeah, yeah. Nobody stays where they start anymore. I couldn't uh, for so various. Go back to where you came from. For though. various legal reasons, I'm not legal allowed back reasons. in Pennsylvania. Yeah. <laughs> I have to sneak in to visit my friends and family. He technically got married there, and that, uh, in our books, in the law books of America, isn't a face to God. I so, I actually did get married in Pennsylvania I know, that's what I'm to saying. my current wife. Yeah, I know. <laughs> we went back because we're. Yeah. Both from there. That's what I'm it was part of the fucking joke. Well, it's a miserable joke, and you suck. <laughs> well, you suck. <laughs> Your joke was bad, and you should feel bad. You're bad, and you should feel bad. Well, I do. Okay, good. So do I. <laughs> Shame is my kink. I love it. We're talking all over, letting Jamie tell stories and all sorts I of know. shit. I know. Oh let's, no, my stories aren't interesting. Let's sit here and mansplain to her while we're at it. Yeah, let's mansplain to her. What oh her my stories god. Are. Well, uh, let me let me tell you. I do have a little story. I am fresh off of being pissed right before I got on with you guys. Like I said, I had. I realized I had an hour to kill, so I went and I was watching some YouTube videos, and there were a couple of news shows that I watch on YouTube, and one of them was talking about this story where this this male college professor in San Francisco got in trouble because <laughs> you remember that old joke, and they used to use it in cartoons and stuff all the time, and in movies where, like, when someone's getting on the elevator, they'd say, third floor, women's lingerie, or right, whatever, right. you know? Okay, uh, he gets on this elevator, and there is a, she's a professor of women's studies out of Massachusetts, and she asks him what floor and then there are a bunch of people in the elevator and then he's like ladies lingerie and like everybody laughs he gets off the elevator and then she gets pissed off and she actually makes a formal complaint because to quote her that event has shaken her God damn. and <laughs> I don't know what to do with that people are easily shook these days they are they are and court will tell you because he sees me fire off quite often about things that just tick me off but yes. <laughs> I am <laughs> I do consider myself a feminist in that I believe that we should be able to do the things we want to do. We should be able to, you know, whatever. Have their, Everyone should have equal rights. That's the way I see it. But I... Are you guys gamers? Do you know Anita Sarkeesian? Uh, uh, I've heard of it. Her? I don't know. I've never... Okay. I've heard of them. Yes. This right, podcast well, has taken over all my free time. I have no life outside <laughs> of this. She's the head of Feminist Frequency and, like, she does these this this whole... It's a big thing but in the gaming community, but um, uh, anyway, I'm basically the opposite of her, like the exact opposite of her. I, um, but stuff like that just irritates me because it, and, and I actually bring this up because it ties into some ideas I actually have about the film that we're going to be discussing. So uh, I thought it was kind of interesting that this whole, like being pissed off about every little thing, culture and, you know, screaming about misogyny and these tiny, tiny little things that really mean nothing. It's infinitesimal. Then compared to when we actually have problems, 
and how when you make a complaint about something as benign as what he did, which is not in any way even misogynist. I mean, he could have easily have said, you know, appliances, you know, whatever. It doesn't matter. It basically it takes the light away from things that are more important. And yeah. I'm so sorry. I did not mean to soapbox you guys, but it's pretty high up there. And we love our soapbox. I, we we <laughs> build it custom made. So yeah. you should be very comfortable there because it'll hold both of us. So yeah. you got plenty of room. We have some nice stairs, too. <laughs> Actually, it's more of a ramp because we don't like stairs either. <laughs> We're quite handy capable. That's, yeah. <laughs> well, good. That'll come in use because I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> I think you have a very valid point in what you're saying there because I remember that old joke and I've made it a million times. It's third floor hardware, children's wear, ladies yeah. lingerie. Yeah. Of course. Sometimes yeah. you say delicate. I like to be, you know, a gentleman. <laughs> and say delicate. And say delicates. Yeah. Yeah. Women's delicate. <laughs> I think that would trigger me. I've been watching the light commercial. <laughs> would trigger you to what? Start jerking it off? Yes. All right. All right. <laughs> it's, purely, it's purely out of fear, like the monkey on yeah. Clerks at the Animated Series. Yeah, right. <laughs> Well, that's a deep fucking reference right, right there. Well, wow. <laughs> Can't believe my brain came out of that. Yeah. yeah. All right. So what you actually have gotten a preview here, folks, is a little segment that they like to do on the beef called Beefs of the Week. We didn't even mean for that to happen. <laughs> no, we didn't. But I didn't. But I'm usually recording cinnamon beef tonight. Ah. And we're not recording cinnamon beef tonight. And I was all fired up. I had to do something with that. Yeah. So I apologize. No, there's but... no reason to apologize for going off on stuff. Have you heard the show? That's all we ever do. Yeah. Also, now you people if they don't know who I am, they kind of know a little bit more about who I am now. You know? <laughs> what do you mean, you people? Yeah. <laughs> Your people, I said. Oh. Just to go through a litany of podcasts here, because I, I know of at least three off the top of my head that you're currently doing that you have been doing for a while now. But we mentioned Cinema Beef with friend of the show and current reigning champion of guesting, Gary Hill. Oh, yes. The Cinema Mr. Beef. Hill. You do ABCs of Hidden Horror with your husband, Brian, and Dave Z, who is a fucking favorite on this show as well, not only for the clips that he's given us, but because we always have a blast when he's on here. Okay. He is incredible. I love Dave. Yeah, we love Dave a lot too. Yeah, Dave's cool. You're doing Evil Episodes, which is also on our network here at Legion Podcast with Mike, who's yeah. been guested on this show as well, and Brian, correct? Yes, that's correct. Okay. Am I missing one? Oh, you have your own show <laughs> liking it, right? Yes, but that one, <laughs> it's sort of a running joke that that show is, it's not officially defunct, but it's been so long since I've recorded that it's just kind of a running joke that it is but that there are episodes out there and I would eventually like to get back to it I keep saying that um, <laughs> but that is an all werewolf show you need a producer on that then what you need somebody to kind of push you forward and go do it just do it just do it well yeah <laughs> you know actually that's what Brian's been doing and it hasn't really helped I just go I'm gonna and then I don't <laughs> and then I don't You're um, like, shut up and you punch him and then he wanders <laughs> off <laughs> but I'm also doing on uh, also in Legion devour the podcast now devour went away for a little while and then came back is that right yeah, yes, it did. And now it has come back with Vanessa. And uh, instead of Dave, Dave, David, David has stepped down and Vanessa has joined us. No. And you guys know Vanessa. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Vanessa yeah. has guested several Very well, times. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And she makes it OK for us to lust over Pam Greer anytime we cover a Pam Greer yeah. movie. She's our gateway to, to I, make that I, OK. Are you sure she was the only one who made it OK for us to lust over Pam Greer? E I think it's pretty OK for anybody to lust over Pam Greer. Yeah. 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 Everybody I, lusts over Pam Greer. Yeah. I think that should be in the Constitution. <laughs> the nation should have been founded yeah. on how hot Pam Greer is. Yeah. I support that. All right. Yeah. <laughs> 
Okay, so what was the very first show that you did then? Because you've been podcasting about as long as podcasting has existed. Is that right? Uh, pretty damn close. The very first show I did, well, <laughs> I actually got started on a live show years and years and years and years ago with um, this host. And Bo listened to it. Now, Bo and I have been friends for a very long time. And I said, hey, I'm doing this. I'm doing this new live show with this guy. Why don't you give it a listen and let me know what you think? So he listened to it and he goes, you know, you're good. <laughs> He's like, I, I enjoy listening to you, but this guy, I mean, he was just so boring. Like he just was, mm, mm. I mean, it was like doing an entire show with, oh, who's that comedian that's the guy on the couch? Oh, Stephen Wright. One Stephen of my favorite Wright, comedians, yes. yes. Only not funny. Oh. So oh. Yeah, <laughs> there, there was that. Stephen and Wright with all that talent baggage. <laughs> Without right. all the talent baggage. That's what I said. <laughs> and so Bo said, why don't we do a show together? And I said, okay. And that was, um, last blog radio that actually was an offshoot of his website he used to do this little boutique website called the last blog on the left ah. and i was also i was also head writer on that website so we then did last blog radio and we did that for a while and then uh he got busy screenwriting and had to dip and i wasn't doing anything for a long time and then david came along and he found me on a horror website and he was looking for a co-host for devour the podcast and i sent him clips of me arguing with Bo about the Nightmare on Elm Street remake and he goes, you know what? I don't agree with you <laughs> but you can hold your own against two guys so let's go. So we started doing Devour the Podcast and then from there it was, you know, Skeleton Crew. Um, now I'm doing the Married with Children podcast. Which is essentially Skeleton Crew talking about it's, Alex's other is, love. <laughs> that is exactly what it is. It, it is. it is exactly the Skeleton Crew but talking about Married with Children and we don't cuss. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a monumental achievement for anyone who has ever heard the skeleton crew. <laughs> yeah. Or just me, or especially Dan, honestly. <laughs> Thank goodness for editing because we catch ourselves all the time. And we're like, blah, blah, blah. What the fuck? Oh, sorry, Alex. You know? <laughs> He's like, it's okay. So we try to clean ourselves up for that. Yeah, on the skeleton crew, Dan tends to use the word fuck as a transitional phrase when he can't think of something else. Well, he is, I mean, he is from Boston. <laughs> right, you know, right. Where fucking is like a period, you know? He's like, oh, you going, to, you going to the store? Yeah, man, I'm going to the store fucking. <laughs> it's like when you're sending a telegram, you say stop. Yeah. <laughs> they say stop. <laughs> End of the store, fucking. Well, so this is why I say you are podcast royalty and i know that might be a little bit hyperbolic to a lot of folks out there but for fuck's sakes the lord said let there be podcasting and jamie hit the switch <laughs> that's how it works as far as i'm concerned so that's I why i'm super stoked <laughs> <laughs> That's why I'm super stoked to have you on the show, though, is because you've been doing this about as long as podcasting has existed. I mean, we said it before, and I'm going to say it again. So that's super amazing. And right out of the gate, you pick probably one of the best Fulci films ever to be made. Pure and simple, Don't Torture a Duckling is what we're talking about tonight. Is there a particular reason that you picked it other than maybe that it is possibly his best film? Uh, I do have a deep love for Fulci on the whole, particularly this film. There is one scene in particular, and I don't even have to tell you what it is. I'm sure you know what it is that I think is incredible. Everyone thinks of this scene when they think of this film. When I first saw it, it just blew me away. It is my favorite Jally by him. I don't know if it's my favorite Fulci overall because I do have also a deep love for House by the Cemetery. Oh, wow. But... That's not one that gets a lot of love outside of the guys from Hello, This well, is a Doom show. Oh, no. Bob has a posse. <laughs> 
<laughs> a little son of a bitch. I I hate Bob, but <laughs> but I do love that movie, and it's really it makes no sense. The movie makes no sense. It doesn't. But I, that that dude at the, in the basement at the end that's some scary shit. So I, I dig that. I do, however, think this is a better film. But anyway, that and Dallas get me hot. I don't. know. <laughs> That's very blunt, but it's totally true. Wow. Okay. So there goes all of my notes for trying to do anything kind of classy about no, this film. No, no, I can be I can be done with the unclassy now. But oh no, no, no! <laughs> don't you dare! Don't you dare! Don't that's you what change for him. Yeah, that's what the listeners want. They want the <laughs> no, filth I, and the fury. <laughs> Don't change for court. <laughs> I do actually have some things to say that are, you know, clean. We don't. No. <laughs> not, a, not a single that thing. That shit so. went out the window. Like, yeah. when did we start doing this podcast? <laughs> um, Pretty much day one, August, back in about three years ago. Yeah, three years ago. Yeah, that shit ended about then. Yeah, yeah. We, we first started hitting record and everything that I wanted to do that was going to be classy, intelligent film discussion, matches shit all over it, and then smeared it. Yeah. And the smell has never gone away. Mm, it's art. <laughs> Even if I fire Matt and actually bring on someone that can be a good co-host, never going to fix the show. It's like a Jackson Pollock painting in here. (laughs) Only with your feces. I wanted to talk to you actually really quick about the Nightmare on Elm Street remake, okay? Mm-hmm. Now, you're one of the only people I know that actually champion it. Now, I absolutely hated it the first time I watched it and loathed it. Swore I would never watch it again. Heard you talking about it and heard you defending it and all the stuff that you had to say about it. And I'm like, okay, let's get rid of all of the hate that I have because it's a remake. Let's try again. And I still couldn't get into it. But, <laughs> but, but you convinced me to actually give it another shot I just still hated everything I hated about it the first time around only I tried to shackle away the whole you know it's a Nightmare on Elm Street remake you know right <laughs> so I just wanted to tell you that you did convince me to give it another shot it just still fell short for me so well you know I appreciate you being willing to give it another shot I don't expect everyone to agree with everything I say that would be ludicrous I do however appreciate it when people are willing to give things a second chance I often tell people look I do don't like so-and-so movie, but I'll watch it again. And sometimes it works. Sometimes it does change my mind. You know, just now when you said that, though, I expected you to say, well, I watched it again and it burned down, fell over, and then sank into the swamp. <laughs> <laughs> but the third one I built, the third time I watched it, that one stuck. <laughs> of course you have to marry her. She's got huge tracks of land. <laughs> we live in a swamp. <laughs> Can't wait to get into Don't Torture a Duckling. We, yeah. we gotta go. We gotta go. We gotta do this shit. We gotta do it? Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, we're doing the show, so we kind of have to do it anyway. I don't, right. If it yeah, we're, we're here. We might as well talk about the movie, movie we all watched. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I took the notes. I pulled the clips. Yeah. You know, we're going to take a little break here. We're going to play a promo for one of Jamie's excellent podcasts. We're going to have a little bit of music befitting of Don't Torture a Duckling. And when we come back, the trailer's in Italian, and the other trailer's just all sound effects and, and nothing usable. So we're going to have the amazing Kat Ellinger talking about why Fulci is not a misogynist. Hey, did you guys ever notice that podcasts talk about the same movies over and over again? Yeah, as much as I love Friday 13th, I don't need another show telling me how good it is. Exactly. Same thing goes for Halloween. It's a great movie, but come on, there's other stuff out there. There should be a show that highlights movies that everyone else seems to skip over. Like, oh, I always wanted to talk about Absentia. And I want someone to cover the room. The Skeleton Key's a good one. Then let's just do one. We can call it The ABCs of Hidden Horror, and we'll go through the alphabet talking about our favorite horror flicks that get ignored. Great idea! I know what my first one's going to be. Join Brian, Dave, and me, Jamie, for the ABCs of Hidden Horror on the Horrorphilia Network, where we might discuss some of your neglected favorites or introduce you to something new. Made us skin you alive. (laughs) 
<laughs> See what I did there, Matt? You, I saw what you did there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I killed yeah, children nice. by the dead Kennedys. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You, you like that? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I thought it was witty. Right. Well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're not ham head fisting it over people's heads right now at all. Oh, it's slapping them right in the face. Yeah. 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 But what actually is quite witty and intelligent uh-huh. is Cat Ellinger trying to convince everybody why Lucio Fulci is not a misogynist. This is actually one of the special features from the disc. It seems that once you get to Lucio Fulci's work in horror, one word you can't escape in reviews or analysis is misogynist. It's a word that crops up almost universally across the board. There's no denying that there is an uncomfortable watch. However, no matter how confrontational this is an approach, one has to ask, isn't this actually the purpose of horror? To confront the taboo? To explore the darker side of human nature in all its dirty, coloured brutality and cruelty? And therefore, wasn't Fulci's job as a genre filmmaker to present this to the audience? Should we really reject all censor art on the grounds of it being too uncomfortable to watch? Wasn't Fulci just doing his job? And if so, did that really make him as bad a person as many have assumed him to be? If we examine Fulci's work on these terms, it could be argued that what he projects isn't actually misogynistic. Instead, he takes a critical stance against the animal nature of man in all its ugliness. He dared to delve into territory very few other filmmakers would tread, even during the sex and violence-soaked golden age of the slasher. If you take things down to an even deeper level, what Fulci presents isn't just something to shock for the sake of shocking. It's a statement, a statement about male violence towards women. If you move beyond the associated controversy, what he shows us is a pessimistic view of man as inherently cruel and violent. In his own words, Fulci explained his approach to horror, telling interviewer Robert Shokoff in 1982 for an interview with French magazine La Cron Fantastique. I think each man chooses his own hell. Hell is already in us. Curiously enough, I can't imagine that paradise exists, though I am a Catholic, though perhaps God has left me. Yet I have envisaged hell, since we live in a society where only hell can be perceived. Finally, I realise that paradise is indescribable. Imagination is much stronger when it is pressed by the terrors of hell. This may seem strange, but I am happier than someone like Bunyao, who says he is looking for God. I have found him in the other's misery, and my torment is greater than Bunyel's, for I have realised that God is a God of suffering. I envy atheists. They don't have these difficulties. It is true that all my films are terribly pessimistic. If we take into account that Fulci's life was surrounded with grief and misery, losing his wife to suicide and then his daughter to a car crash in the late 60s, early 70s, and if we add to that a lifetime of Catholic guilt, it becomes obvious that the director's work was shaped by his experience, and as a result, carried much deeper messages than first apparent. Like I said, there's no way I could have said that no. any more eloquently. And it's actually a 20-minute piece. Yeah. I just wanted to fish around and find the parts where she talks specifically about how what Fulci's doing is holding up a mirror to misogyny, not actually being misogynistic himself. Gotcha. And I wholeheartedly it's, agree with that. It is an excellent video essay. And also there's another bit on the Arrow release where uh, they're talking to a professor who has written a book about Alley. And he says more of the same things. I'm actually going to get this book because this guy's great. And he has coined the term vernacular cinema to refer to genre cinema, which I think is just great. But her essay, I 
was watching this and just, yes, yes, yeah. I mean, all of the things that I have been saying about this film for a very long time, she was saying too. So I'm like, thank God I'm not just talking to myself here. You know, I'm not the only one who thinks this. And it was refreshing to hear this from a woman. Not that I'm saying women are, you know, always focusing on the negative. They're not. Those are typically the opinions that get heard, I guess, because those are the loudest, Is that if that makes any sense. Um, well, Matt and I wholeheartedly agree that it's more important to hear what's coming from a woman than a man because we like to be told what to do. <laughs> And no, I think the same points would be just as valid coming from a man. All I'm saying is that if it's coming from a woman, then, you know, people out there can't bitch, you know, because <laughs> they'll bitch if it comes from a man. Because what do you know? You're a man. You don't have a right to say anything. Fuck off. Only it's, on the outside. Um, <laughs> he's a man on the outside. Yes. Uh, Court, you're only a man on the outside. I'm not like you. I don't like having men on the inside. Oh, <laughs> Nice. You walked right into that. You really did, too. I just didn't know what you were saying there. No, I completely agree with everything that you were saying there, Jamie. The thing that makes what Kat Ellinger has to say in this video essay that she performed and, and produced and everything, what makes it more valid is that she's bringing about a lot of points and the fact that we actually have a female voice saying all of this kind of null and voids a lot of the arguments against what it is that she would try and say because of that very fact of if someone like me were to sit here and go, actually, I don't believe that Lucio Fulci is a misogynist. I think he's holding up a mirror uh, to misogyny and showing us what um, the misogynist views of the world actually are. People like, shut the fuck up, mansplainer. I need you to do an entire show of that voice now. <laughs> what, like this? Yes. I don't know if I can Just someday. this oh, God. for very long. If you could. <laughs> that would be I'm the hot. highest rated show we'd ever have. <laughs> if we do Revenge of the Nerds, I will, I will do it in you this do voice like the this? entire time. Even when it comes to the rape scene? <laughs> yes. Alright. <laughs> I'll try. I'm gonna do it. <laughs> yeah, but I really enjoy a lot of what Kat has to say and a lot of the things that she's written and I highly recommend there's a podcast that she does with Sam uh, they're both of Diabolique magazine I believe and that actually is a offshoot of that magazine that they do the Daughters of Darkness podcast get out there and give it a shot Pick, check it out the film criticism that they do is immaculate and they also use phrases like get their tits out <laughs> <laughs> That's a good phrase. Yeah. And I can't say that because that sounds sexist. Let them titties fly, Court. I, See, I can say that. That's not a sex. Yes, but it's still, I need a safe space. No, you don't. Well, we're not going to get one with this yeah. movie. So no, you don't this, get one. You know, you get one with me. This is a safe space. You can say titties all you want. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I feel like yeah. I, I feel like I want to enact the anatomy of a murder where I'm like, titties, 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 All right, let's get into the movie here. Yeah. We don't have all night, God damn it. Yeah. <laughs> we're still going to talk about the scene with the titties, though? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. okay. We're, we're going to drool go. over Barbara Bichet. And the That's bush. Right. And the bush. Uh, yes, and the <laughs> bush. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it's okay. Jamie said it's okay. And the vagina. <laughs> right. Now that's offensive, Matt. <laughs> See, I say these things so then you don't have to worry about it. <laughs> You have to feel is, uncomfortable. Does it, it make me insensitive as I was saying those things before she ever said them? Yes. Okay. The film itself actually opens up with a shot of a very old school style overpass that's winding its way through like a mountainside and a valley beneath. And it is really high up off the fucking ground coming off the mountain. Yeah, man, that's um, that's not for me. <laughs> no? <laughs> you wouldn't want to drive on that? That's not for me. When I was looking at that, I'm like, fuck that. I'm not driving yeah, that. Yeah, fuck that. Looks like I'm never visiting this quaint little villa town. Fuck this we can fly, but we can't ride on that fucking bridge. I don't want to fucking fly either. I don't either. I'm just like, hey, it's out of my control. I but. guess there's some places we're never meant to visit. <laughs> 
<laughs> like this town in like Italy. Like this fucking town in Italy. Yeah. And then they kind of pan the camera over, and then we see some hands digging in the ground, and it looks like it's on a hillside or like this cliff area that's overlooking this beautiful valley. It's breathtaking. I really like the landscape and everything. The overpass is a bit of an eyesore to go through all of that. They yeah. should have found a better way to incorporate it, too. Probably. But what are you going to do? Humans suck. Pretty much. <laughs> and the hands are digging up what looks to be either a fetal skeleton or the skeleton of a baby, and not even five minutes into this movie, and I'm already in love with it the very first time I see it. <laughs> I'm like, that's a full-on baby corpse. Yeah, that's and, a baby skeleton. And this is the part where I get hot. Oh. <laughs> and dead kids. Is, is this, yes. Is this where court begins stroking it lately? <laughs> dead kids, man. Fucking love it. <laughs> Please, You're like clip. my spirit animal. <laughs> Jamie like dead kids too. I do. I am very well known for my my love of dead kids. That's a clip. clip. <laughs> Thanks for walking right into that Thank one. You. Well, this particular person turns out is a woman who has been digging up this baby skeleton here. She then picks up the skeleton of the baby and she kind of cradles it as if it's still alive and holds it very close to her, which was both creepy and unnerving. Yeah, it was would have been but hot tragic. if it was not I mean, a baby she, skeleton because you you get the idea that this is her baby and she yeah. dug it up right off the bat just. Yeah. Because of the way she cradles it. Very yeah. masterful filmmaking. Great way to just shortcut right to that. Yeah. And I'm wondering, did they bury a jackal? <laughs> Omen reference? Yes! <laughs> I just wanted to make sure. <laughs> we then see while she's cradling the skeletal body, a young boy is slaughtering a lizard with a slingshot, a.k.a. a pocket rocket. Have you ever heard it referred to that as I, such, Matt? I have not. You've never heard it referred to as a pocket rocket? I haven't. I don't know if that's I a... I thought that was something else. Well, maybe. I don't know. Uh, maybe it was a brand of slingshot. A show. Maybe, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it's not. Don't kid yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Coincidentally, I would like to see someone try and slaughter an animal with that kind of pocket rocket. <laughs> I'm sure it's on the internet. That's the kind of sickness with which I can be down. (laughs) (laughs) Dead kids are fine, but I draw the line at animals and lizards. That makes me sad. He actually hits the lizard with a stone. It's because the baby bones fake, but I mean, in the movie, he's actually hitting a lizard with a stone. I'm pretty sure in real life someone can murder a child and Jamie would be okay. (laughs) The minute you harm an animal, don't you dare. (laughs) Those baby bones were fake? God damn it. There goes Jamie's hard on. Go ahead. Wide on. <laughs> Wide on. Yeah. Wide on. I'm sorry. <laughs> Did you just assume her gender? <laughs> no. I use that for everybody. <laughs> That's an all-inclusive hard on. <laughs> Clip. Yep. So we then get a travel log of this quaint little Italian village, which is quite picturesque in certain parts, and then others it's downright fucking ugly. Yeah. Some parts, hey, it looks nice. Other parts, it's like, oh, wow, this is a piece of trash country. It reminds me of the cliff dwelling, the way that they built the buildings up into the side of the mountain. Yeah. And did some of them look like they were actually chiseled right out of the stone on the side of the mountain Kinda. too? Right? Did, yeah. yeah. I thought that was very fascinating. I wanted to know more of the history of the town and everything like that, but the movie doesn't give me any time to no. really kind of enjoy that. They just kind of move on after we see the village. During the travelogue <laughs> of the Italian village, we actually see several young boys praying at a Catholic church. They're on their knees like the priest likes them to be. When one, no. <laughs> when one calls no. to another to leave with him, they decide they're going to cut out early from the mass. That's how you do it, kids. You just sneak out when the priest isn't looking. Why not? Run for your lives. <laughs> Literally and figuratively. They cut from this to the little lizard killing bastard is all excited when he sees that two women are driving towards the town on that giant fucking highway that mm. stands up in the middle of the valley. That, I mean, that they must, it must be really hard up to be excited about those two women driving up. I'm saying those are like Tuesday afternoon strippers. Uh, oh yeah, I mean, that's junior varsity right there. <laughs> Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> 
you saw how far out they are, right? Yeah, I mean, I guess. That's, that's what one I'm hell of a commute to start hooking. Yeah, yeah. They're very clearly hookers. Right yeah. off the bat, you can tell. Just, you know. They're about they're, they're about getting that money to yeah. give up that punani. <laughs> really? I don't know. Yeah. I'm <laughs> just saying things anymore. That's what they get for having a pubis tattoo that says this space for rent. <laughs> We then see the kids that were splitting out on the prayer, also splitting a cigarette, as their friend runs up to them to tell them that the hookers have arrived. He's like the Paul Revere of hookers. <laughs> the hookers are coming! The hookers are coming! Right? He's throwing up two if by highway. <laughs> One if by air, two if by highway. <laughs> he's all excited and he's just proclaiming about how they have really, really big boobs, but from that far off on the highway, how could he tell? I, I don't know. They must have been that big. You could see him with the naked eye. Either that or this kid's got like like night vision for boobs. <laughs> that, kid's, that kid's so horny, you just see tits everywhere. Yeah. And that was actually my next note where he's proclaiming about the size of their breasts. So we're already moving ahead pretty well here. Yeah, so. good. Tits. Yeah, maybe all- it's because I'm not a prepubescent boy, but their boobs are not the first thing I, I noticed about those two women. No, I've noticed that they're 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 rough looking. Rough. Yeah, rough. Garish. And like that's, that's, a, that's a fixed condom adventure if you're brave enough. They was- look like someone's harpy wife in a movie that they're trying to get away from from. <laughs> you know, like the, yeah. the woman that, the, I mean, in the the comical, nobody get your panties in a wad here, but it's like the, the comical, you know, wife is nagging at them and they're running out the door to get away from her. They, That's what they always remind me of. They look like those embarrassing aunts who will maybe come to a family function and like <laughs> act way inappropriately. <laughs> yes. AKA Matt's aunt. No, my aunts are actually very <laughs> classy <me>. people. <laughs> did you hear what did you say? She said it were me. <laughs> I would say I'm the worst one out of my family. I don't know. This I believe. Yeah. So from all the hubaloo that's going on and the excitement that's going on with all of these kids like jumping for joy for these two hookers showing up, despite the fact that in the high definition transfer you can see scabies bouncing around off them. Oh, <laughs> man. that arrow release is beautiful. Those, yeah, and the, horrifying. Those two women were wearing the perfume of chlamydia. All right, so they're getting all excited about that, and my suspicion is confirmed that they were definitely hookers when one of the women starts basically saying that can't do any peeking without well, actually some, paying ahead of time. Some nutty dude came up to him, or is this before that? No, no, they get yeah, there. Yeah, they arrive okay, at yeah. the little farm area that, that they're doing their work like, at. Hey, hey. He's not nutty, Matt. He's mentally challenged. Oh, I just thought he was a little nutty. <laughs> or drunk. Subnormal to use this film's terminology. I actually cut that out of the clip. <laughs> <laughs> I found that quite offensive that but they use that. Leave it to Jamie to bring it right back in. Hey, it's in the movie. I- <laughs> Yeah, I know, but you know. You can't offend anyone by something someone did in a movie. Yeah, you kind of can. Then uh, it's their fault. Ooh, <laughs> it's ooh. the movie's fault. <laughs> oh, it's time for a debate. <laughs> No, I don't think it's okay for them to refer to anyone as subnormal. I think it's hilarious as fuck, but I don't think it's okay. But I mean, to me, it's just funny in a completely whole different time period kind of way, you know? We like to try and hold movies up to the standard that we currently have, regardless of what time frame that they came from, so that we can have a moral high ground. That's why we built this giant soapbox for us to sit on. piss on moral high ground. (laughs) You're our kind of gal. God damn. Yeah. Okay, so the lady does declare no money, no peeking. You can't do that. So she covers the crack in the door that he was going to try and peek through with her jacket. Now, this guy's name is Giuseppe, and apparently he's got special needs. Or as Jamie would like to put it, subnormal. Yeah. <laughs> 
whatever moral high ground she's pissing on. Yeah, yeah. she's yeah. going to call him subhuman. Yep, One, I coined that term. <laughs> <laughs> One of his particular special needs is to watch someone else while having sex. Oh, wait, that's just a kink. That's just, I don't, yeah. yeah. I was like, I don't think that's a special need. <laughs> I'm I mean, still, it's a need from the rest of us, but I mean, I think he was just, you know. I think there's nothing wrong with wanting to watch other people have sex. No, Clint. not at all. <laughs> <laughs> and so the three boys are also trying to sneak a peek, but when they realize they're not able to do it, they decide to do the next best thing and bully the mentally handicapped guy, Giuseppe, by taunting him and throwing shit at him. And then he gets pissed off and chases them all off because these are little bastards and they all deserve to die. Spoiler alert. <laughs> God damn. Just ruin the movie for everybody. <laughs> oh, like they haven't seen it. And they cut from this to a wax voodoo doll being pulled up out of a grungy water and it might be some kind of black dye or paint or something along those lines and then a bunch of pins start getting shoved into it first in the neck and then in the chest and then we see each of the three boys pictured as this is happening the film is driving the point home these voodoo dolls represent the kids yes even matt understood that i get it even subnormal matt got it oh wow (laughs) god damn (laughs) jamie says it once and now you're throwing it around he's using it with wild abandon (laughs) Feel the freedom. Embrace the freedom courts. Embrace the dark side. (laughs) One of the boys actually ends up going home and gets the what for from who I assume is his mom and then sent with juice up the stairs for the lodger or the person who owns the home or something like that. Who turns out is actually Barbara Boucher Mm -hmm. and who is completely nude. Thank you, movie. And we see her Boucher. (laughs) Yes, we do. We see all (laughs) of Barbara Boucher's. She is pretty. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Not a single hair is out of place on any spot on her body. Uh, huh? Huh? Wait, wait, he has a face? <laughs> wow, that's really horrifying and sexist. I would say that her face she is does? probably her best feature. Yes, she, she does. does. Yes, she does. She's oh. quite a pretty lady. She is quite no, a pretty I'm just, lady. I'm kidding. Yes, Fact. she is a, She is very beautiful. All around very beautiful. Her face is stunning, honestly. It's, it's almost um, made up, it's, you know? like, it's like <laughs> she, looks, she almost looks like a Barbie doll. It's almost like she's too pretty to be it's, real. Yes, yeah. it's otherworldly yeah. pretty. We don't know this but Fulci found CGI well before anybody. Yes. And that's where he used it. I think Barbara Boucher has never looked her best until her face is being shoved into a split open pig's carcass. Oh, did that happen? That was her. Is that her? You don't remember? Yeah, I remember. The Drive scene. I a prostitute. Her. Yeah. yeah oh. That was her. Wow. Try not to picture that when you're thinking about her naked. No, I'm not. I'm <laughs> I actually am. all right. Oh, I am. Oh, I know you are. Best part of that movie. Hand check. <laughs> They're holding the notes in front of you, dick. Okay. The boy tries to drop off the tray and then just take off off, but Barbara Boucher's character is not about to let that happen. Ugh. She insists that he bring the tray to her, and because Matt's an asshole, I decided to make that our very first clip. <laughs> Running away? I put your orange jade on the table. Oh, Michele, I bring the tray here. Come on, I won't bite you. I'm coming. I don't want to spill it. Oh, yes? Well, look at me. Go on. I won't hurt you. Ooh. Are you upset seeing a nude female? Well, no. I didn't think so. How many girls have you had? Hmm? I don't know. Lots. You liar. If you'd said one or two, I might have believed you. Ah, but lots is not true. You're just full of shit. Would you like to go to bed with me? I said, would you like to go to bed with me? Yeah. <laughs> I bet you would. Michele! Michele! You up there? Michele! Coming! Michele! Mom, I said I'm coming. Well, come on. Go. Obey your mama. (laughs) 
Okay, so that's like every fucking preteen well, boy's yeah, fantasy, yeah. Oh right? Oh my god, yeah. Yeah, yeah she oh, went out to die for on him. creepy for doing that. To die for. <laughs> Will you kill my yeah. husband for me? <laughs> <laughs> yes. I love that you put the, that you kept the part in where he tripped too, because that oh, as he's like as he tripped. Yeah, I had to leave that in. You I was know, gonna take it out, that's but great. It inside his head, he went shit. <laughs> yeah, because you know, he, like he's totally embarrassed now. <laughs> yeah. But I love how she giggles and then he looks at her and then you know giggles again because he's still seeing a naked woman. Yeah, yeah. All right, and so there's mom, the ultimate cock block. I think it's funny where he, she's like, "Come on," and he's like, "I'm coming." I bet I'm like, "Yeah, yeah I bet you are." Yeah, you will be later. <laughs> <laughs> little shit. I don't know. I think at that age, he pretty much, you know, was finished before he even started. Then afterwards, he'll probably have a cigarette, the lucky bastard. Now, the way that they shot that, which makes it so wonderfully uncomfortable, is on one side, they had a little person when they're actually, you know, the person's oh, looking directly yeah, yeah, at she her. She wasn't going to actually be naked in front of the kid. Right. That would have been severely illegal. Even for Italy. That would have been, been like fucked up. some Dario Argento stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And more than likely, it would be Dario Argento's, like, grandson and then, like, the yeah. grandson's and mother. Then, yeah. <laughs> His daughter. Yeah. It would be Aja. Yeah, and all, her child. All naked. And then, <laughs> okay, wait, hold on. You have me there. Go ahead. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, he just loves having his daughter naked in his movies. That's a thing. And being sexually abused. Yeah. It is. Damn. It's a thing. Yes, thank you, Dave. Thanks, it Dave. totally is a thing. Thanks, man. <laughs> you are quick with that. <laughs> Uh, I hate it when a lady tells me that. <laughs> and he hears it all the time. Constantly. <laughs> First it's, is it in? And then, wow, you're quick with that. Okay, I'll change it. The worst, the worst thing you can hear is deeper. <laughs> that's much better. I love it when a lady tells me that. What? What did you say? <laughs> that's impressive. Oh, there you go. That's better. <laughs> all right, so they cut away from this very awkward sexualized thing where an uh, older woman in her 20s is basically coming on to a child mm. inappropriately. Yeah. Um, Not right. I made that a clip so I didn't have to describe the events of what was taking place. I'm still thinking about her nude, though, so I'm fine. Yeah, and I have to admit that as someone who at one point in time was a preteen boy, that is the dream. You want to have that happen. That, that is the dream. Regardless of now when you're an adult, you realize how inappropriate and wrong it's that inappropriate, is. But you it's, wish it's it would happen still to you. the dream. And in 80s movies, things like that does happen to you. Yeah. And in Italian films in the she 70s. She the lemonade yeah. down her, they, her body. That was... <laughs> Right now they become lifetime movies. Yeah, now, uh, yeah right. Remember now it's, now it's hey now it's teachers hooking up with kids. Remember though all this sexualized stuff that's happening that's turning you on. She's doing for the benefit of a child that's watching her. That's just it's fucking disturbing. horrifying that, that she would horrifying. do this. Yeah. It's fucked up, and it's because she's bored more or yeah. less. Yeah, but she's still really hot. <laughs> so she gets a pass in your book. You know it's not right, but kinda. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, listen, I'm healthy enough to admit it's not right at all, and it's it's terrible, but kinda, yeah. <laughs> wow, you are just a horrible human being. I don't think kinda. that her, I don't think her actions get a pass, because clearly that's, you know, kind of disgusting. But in the moment watching her, like, just pretending like you are the eyes, and you're seeing her, I mean, she's fucking hot, so, like, <laughs> I that I mean you can't help but have that reaction. Well, this is what but. Fulci does so beautifully though, and what makes him such a wonderful filmmaker is he's putting you in the situation where everyone has been a child, everyone has mm -hmm. had that kind of inclination to want something like this to happen. Particularly, most of the audience for these types of films is going to be male, and a preteen boy would love to have a woman do this. That, or he just wanted to see her naked and wrote this scene. There is that too, but <laughs> at the same time, he's making.
making you uncomfortable because yes. he's showing you something that should not be right. He is making me uncomfortable. My pants are very tight now. But in the 70s, when this sort of thing was taking place, would people even think twice about her showing herself to a kid like that? In Italy? In any part of the world. Uh, maybe in the United States, yeah, because we're more Puritans than anything else. This wasn't actually released in the United States until the 90s. I think yeah. 99 was the first DVD. And, that, that, uh, but that's what I'm saying. Like, maybe in the 70s, that's a problem here just because, you know. I think it was 2000. I'm pretty sure it was 99. Okay, well, oh, oh sorry. The only reason that I know that, Jamie, is because I was actually with a friend in 99 in this store and saw the VHS and we bought it. <laughs> We pulled our money together in college, and I didn't get to keep it. Aww, <laughs> why not? Uh, it was VHS, and by that point, I was starting to move to DVD. So, oh, I see. Okay. I just, I just let them buy me out for what it was worth. <laughs> let them keep the tape. Right or wrong, it is a fantasy that every boy has, you know. Or, you know, and girls have those fantasies too. Not, I mean, like I can remember being in the seventh grade, and I had this substitute teacher, and he was, oh my god, he was so hot. And we, <laughs> we, all the girls were having those fantasies about him you know now if it actually came down to reality it'd be kind of gross and we'd say ew no you know I mean you wouldn't want it to actually happen or at least we didn't but it well I didn't I don't know about them but, <laughs> very good don't um, speak for your fellow classmates you know from but, however you know, long ago fantasies are fantasies and it's normal to have them so yeah I mean he's showing you this something that is a normal fantasy for a young boy to have complete it, all it means is that you know you've you've got hormones a flowing and then at the same time you're you, the adult side of you is struggling with how completely inappropriate this is. So you are uncomfortable on a couple of levels. And he doesn't even really have to do that much to put you there. I think that's the brilliance that Bolte put into this very quick sequence. And it almost <laughs> feels like it is just a complete fantasy that the kid has. More than likely, he just came upstairs, dropped off the orange juice, and she may not have even been there. It feels like it's his whole fantasy world, and he's just dreaming that that happened. Yeah, but it well, actually happened. <laughs> I, you know, I actually happen. tend to agree with you because either she is the fastest getter-upper I have ever seen in my life or <laughs> because at one point she's lounging under the sun lamp and then it cuts to him and then it cuts back to her and she's suddenly standing there in front of him and I thought wow this must be something he's imagining you know but then of course they have the conversation and then she goes to sit back down and so I'm like oh okay so maybe he didn't imagine it but I think the argument could be made that he did you know he is fresh from watching whores <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So maybe, you know, this was something that actually took place in his head. You know, I don't know. You, I, I think it could go either way. I know that I have had very vivid fantasies as a preteen boy that pretty much felt like it was actually happening when I lived inside my own head. Eventually, the asylum helped me get past that. And now I'm a better person. Court, I've been meaning to tell you, the asylum was all made up. It's all in your head. It's all in your head. It's all in your head. <laughs> oh, no. You could also look at it as this is a woman who she comes from Milan. She comes from a very modern place. She has a lot of money. She comes out to this place that is steeped in superstition and everyone is really poor and they all look at her with disdain and they don't trust her because she doesn't belong there and because she smokes and she drives a flashy car and she wears sexy clothes and, and she just clearly does not belong there. So the powers that she would normally have outside of this environment, they you know, don't work here. Like her feminine wilds, they, they don't work like they typically would 
Except, of course, on the one guy that shows up who doesn't even belong there either. But <laughs> so in the meantime, the only way she can really stretch her thoroughbred legs is to a young boy who doesn't know any better. Also, she's a former drug addict slash current drug addict who's in recovery. And she's probably looking for the kind of kicks that she doesn't get anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 They cut from this to some barking dogs as a young boy is chased through the woods and is clearly terrified about what is going on. We then see the dog is yelled at and kicked at by its owner. Luckily, he misses, so Jamie's happy. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, I was. The boy then immediately gets clobbered in the head. Jamie's happy. (laughs) (laughs) And to move us further along, that is our next clip. The search for little Bruno Locascio continued throughout all of yesterday, comma, as it had for the three previous days since he disappeared. Period. Kids wander off and you get blamed for it. We do. As usual. Comma. Police have widened their field to include mountainous areas around Achindura. Period. Over a hundred policemen and highway troops are engaged in the search. Period. We have new information from the boy's father. Yes, the boy's father. An anonymous telephone call, comma, made in Achindura, was received last night close to midnight. Yes, the unknown caller asked for a large amount. What? I can't tell you. Yes, the authorities are maintaining a blackout over the story, hoping for some word of the kidnappers. Yeah, that's a whole story. Stop! Hold it! Press. I'm sorry, gentlemen. The commissioner won't allow anyone beyond here. Uh, we understand. It doesn't matter. Thank you, sir. Just keep your shirts on. Looks like I gotta play tricks on these guys. But I can't lay my hands on money like that. The whole town knows it. It's never been very easy. We managed to buy a piece of land. We haven't anything else. No money in the bank. We might as well go back to headquarters. You're quite certain you have no enemies? You can be sure. There's no one. We're respected by the whole town. The motive was money, nothing else. That's all he said. Six million and hundred thousand leader notes. Where were you told to take the money? Mm-hmm. We must take it to the old warehouse, he said. Mm-hmm. He told me to bring it tomorrow night. Mm-hmm. When I got there, I was to hide the cash in the fourth furnace. <laughs> but I can't get hold of six million lira. In cash? Naturally. It would have to be cash. But did you say that or did the man request it by telephone? No, no. By telephone. He said he wanted he wanted it. All in cash. (laughs) All in cash? Yes. I'm sorry to interrupt, sir, but think about it a moment. This caller sounds quite crazy, at least according to Locascio. Yes, that's evident. To stipulate something which is so very obvious. Right. Excuse me, who are you? Andrea Martelli, the standard of Milan. Just a minute. Pleasure. You haven't got a pass. How'd you get in? There's a window open in there. Look, I know you've pointed out something rather interesting, but I think you better run along now. Very well. So long. Commissioner? No, not the window. Please, sir, out this way. Oh, certainly. I'm sorry. Be seeing you. Goodbye. Well, Locascio? He said I mustn't say a word to anybody about all this. Then he said if I informed the authorities, he'd murder my son. He'll murder Bruno. (laughs) Unless the money is all paid, he's going to. God, why? You can save him, can't you? I'm not completely sure we can. I love that fucking heartless cop. I'm not completely sure we can. I'm not completely sure we can. Can't lie to him. Keep crying. Your tears are like fine wine to me, woman. (laughs) No tears, please. It's a waste of good suffering. (laughs) All right, so after this, we see a man walking his motorbike up to the abandoned building that we heard about earlier in the clip, and then he stashes a package into the furnace referred to from the clip there. Then someone else's shadow is somewhere else in this abandoned area. That person then moves downstairs and heads towards that furnace. We then see that this other man goes to grab that package and is immediately looking at it for the money, digs through, and 
gets snatched up by the police automatically, basically caught red-handed with the quote-unquote ransom. He is interrogated by the cops, but appears to be completely stupid. Oh, it turns out, by the way, it's that Giuseppe guy from earlier. Oh, who, or, or, or subhuman? Not subhuman. Sub, <laughs> subhuman. He's not a trauma character. Subnormal. For, yeah, he's subnormal. Normal, yeah, subnormal. Yeah. What, it's Abby What does something. he say? What do you want? He's a moron. Or what do you want? <laughs> he's a... Oh, shoot. I think he says he calls him a moron at some point <laughs> in that when they're interrogating him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so sad and so funny. <laughs> There is a pretty much an idea that this guy really had no clue what he was getting himself mixed up with. But at the same time, you kind of have to see there's a certain amount of cunning for what he ends up doing. And we'll discuss it further once the full reveal gets going. But you get the sense that he doesn't know exactly what he's doing here. And that if he did take the kid and is trying to hold him for ransom, that he's fucking it up royally here and totally got busted. Right. They basically force him to submit to a voice recognition call. And his voice is immediately matched up by the victims of the crime. They cut from this to the cops digging up what we're going to assume is a grave, and it turns out that it actually is. And they were actually directed there by, oh, and I put it in my notes, the idiot <laughs> who swears he is innocent. <laughs> At this point, when you're leading the police to a grave that you're swearing that you didn't actually kill the kid, but you're showing them exactly where you buried him, yeah, you, yeah. you ain't smart. You ain't helping out your case. <laughs> It'd be like OJ no. saying, I still didn't kill my wife or Ron, but I found this bloody knife conveniently this trash can. Let me show you where the trash can was located directly outside of my house. Yeah. Yeah. On my own property that yeah. I still own. Uh -huh. yeah. yeah. That kind of thing. That's that level of stupid. Yeah. Yep. And well, he's subnormal. <laughs> <laughs> Give him a break. The other part of this that I really have an issue with is the police are allowing this to happen in front of the whole goddamn town. And the grieving family is right there, too. Well, they're probably not used to this. Well, obviously not. This is the worst police procedure I've ever seen in my life. Let's bring out the whole town. Let's have them all stomp out there so that any fucking physical evidence we could possibly find is null and void. Yeah. And while we're there, let's have the grieving family wait to have their think, child on Earth. that's the court didn't work like that. Bad. <laughs> it were, were physical evidence where they consider it dead. Damage. They would just be like, yeah, it's fuck not the it. fucking 1800s. Forensics did kind of exist in the 70s. Yeah, but I just don't it think was it limited, existed but it existed. in that town. <laughs> yeah, but this, this town is quite removed. At one point, the police officer says something about how I don't remember the exact thing. Said, we don't have time to do anything. We don't have time or we're too busy or something. And I'm like, doing fucking what? Yeah. yeah. Like, this is the only crime I'm sure you've had in like 150 years. What the fuck goes on in this town? I think it's in this Nothing. exact scene, too, where they dig dig up the body and they're like, well, aren't you going to collect? I think the reporter asked him, aren't you going to collect some type of forensic evidence or something like that or, or take photos or something? And he says, we don't have time for it <laughs> or something yeah, along those lines. Yeah. Why? <laughs> I'm surprised they have so many cops. Because it's a giallo and therefore the police are 100% useless in a giallo and you have to have exactly. you have to have an amateur sleuth who's much better at this solve the crime. You must have an outsider. It's like one of my favorite examples of that is Bird with a Crystal Plumage where the guy actually follows the cop around doing stuff and the cop brings him into the evidence room like the whole computer thing and he's just like come here I want to show you this I'm like that's not how that works police just don't bring people random people in and start showing them evidence but that's how it works in these movies because the cops are completely useless they just stand there with their dicks in their hands they never ever have anything useful to do hey 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 some of them might be out there jamming with their clam out or something you know there are oh, female yeah, cops okay. too <laughs> let's let's be balanced here well not in this town yeah no they're all dicks in hand you're right yeah <laughs> Ha 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 ha! 
and by judging in the way that some of the cops were looking at each other, it might have been one of the other cops that was holding on to, you know. Yeah. That's probably what they're all busy with, Jamie. They're, they got this suck and fuck factory going on in the back room of the, the police station. They're all too busy getting it on and enacting village people songs. The Giuseppe character here is swearing up and down that he didn't kill the kid. He found the kid. He just wanted to actually use the kid to basically get a little ransom money out of the grieving family, which is somehow actually kind of worse, if yeah, you right. ask me. Oh, God, I can't believe I wrote this. Oh, God. <sighs> they cut from this to the priest leading all of his rape victims to the gravesite <laughs> that's being freshly dug up to kneel down and pray over as the woman who dug up the baby skeleton walks over and gives him the little side glance, knowing stink eye and a little bit of a knowing grin. Wonder what's going on there, movie. One of the things I really like that Fulci does here is you kind of have people coming in and you're like, was it this person? Could it have been this person? Was it the crazy lady that already dug up a dead baby? All right, so they cut from that to Giuseppe is taken out of the jail in front of the entirety of the town who are all prepared to lynch this motherfucker and the police are having a huge problem trying to actually control the town. They can barely contain them from getting at Giuseppe. Again, why are they doing this in the middle of the day? Did they announce it ahead of time? They I have, think just the town knows. They had the town crier run around. They're moving Giuseppe. Everyone come in and beat on him. <laughs> Let's reenact the 1930s Universal Monster movie. <laughs> pitchforks. Rabble, rabble, rabble. Rabble, rabble, torches. Pitchforks. Get your pitchforks here. Pre-lit torches guaranteed not to go out until you light a fire. <laughs> he is driven off out of the town, and that actually leads to our next clip. They're shouting for the killer of that boy, and we've got to find him before they do. Commissioner, you mean you believe that Barter might have been telling the truth after all? The record states that Barr signed a confession, though it is full of contradictions. I know the contradictions are simply evidence that Barra is slightly mentally deficient. You've known him for some time, Captain? Yes, I already told you. I've never known the man to harm a soul. He found the Locastro boy murdered and buried the child's body intending to call the father and try to extract a little money. The inspiration of an imbecile. Yes, and the small ransom requested, six million lira, confirms in the main your hypothesis. Okay, I'm not really sure exactly how much six million lira is, but from the sound of it, it's probably like 50 bucks. It's like a buck 25. <laughs> you know, I actually tried to look that up. I tried to do a conversion of it, but I could find nothing that goes back any farther than 1975. Hmm. I'm very disappointed. What is it in modern day dollars, just to give us an idea, do you remember? No, that's what I was trying to find out. Ah. Um, oh, because also they don't use now, and it's all approximate because now they don't use lira anymore. Okay. Okay. So it's, I, I just, it was useless. <laughs> I failed. They just bought some land that they said, and that was all the money that they had. And if they don't have 6 million lira, I'm assuming that it, in like 1970s dollars, it was probably like at most maybe a thousand bucks that they were looking for, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Which probably isn't even, I mean, maybe even less than that. Probably like 150 bucks. Yeah. He probably would have been better off just trying to hold the kid ransom for his baseball cards. Pretty much. <laughs> Do they even have baseball cards over there? I don't know. They all play soccer. Comic soccer books. cards. Soccer cards, sure, yeah. why not? All right, so after this, we see a shot of the village from afar as a lone person walks essentially at dawn. I'm guessing it's the early morning. I can't really tell. And at first, we can't really tell if it's a man or a woman. And then as they get closer, it looks as though they're carrying a basket of some sort. And then it appears to be that it is, in fact, a woman with what appears to be a laundry basket. She's heading on down through the town into a large basin that looks like it's just there to collect rainwater. Anybody else want to weigh in on that? What else would that be there for? 
for. Yeah, I think that's it. But clean water. Might it be like a little dam area for an underground stream that comes out there and fills up before it heads back down, perhaps? Maybe. And rainwater? Whatever. (laughs) (laughs) While she goes towards this little pool of water, she's not looking about. She starts preparing her laundry. She looks down and then immediately sees there is a drowned boy there and she screams her ass off and I laugh mine off. And she says, someone put a mannequin in the water. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's very clearly a mannequin, but the visage of the face, even though it's obviously fake, pretty horrifying stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It died mid-scream. Basically. The thing that I really like about that, though, is the way that it's shot, the way that they actually took this scene was the original Anchor Bay VHS and DVD cover. Mm. It was kind of a spoiler that you saw the kid drown and everything, but that's why we fought to make sure that we got the videotape. As soon as we saw that, we're like, holy shit, they're killing kids in this movie. Gotta own it. (laughs) Must have. And upon her scream, that leads to our next clip. The boy wasn't molested this time either. Make a statement to the press. We can put a stop to the rumors that the crimes were sexual. The only variations we've found between the two bodies was the contusion on the neck of the first victim. Yes, the killer stunned him before killing him. But remember that the boy was strangled. He could have been beaten to death. Instead, he was killed like the other one. In my opinion, this indicates a definite choice, the kind of manic repetition we find in schizophrenics. Brilliant. He's murdered two little children. The guy's obviously going to be a mental case, to my way of thinking, Lieutenant. Of course. The killer is a maniac, but his mind works in a certain logical pattern which has a reasonable meaning for him. Were they unrelated victims? Send them all home. Perhaps their poor bodies can finish some hint. Okay, so just because whoever's doing this is killing some children, they're automatically a maniac? Probably. Yes, yeah. clearly. Well, yeah. no, I, I fully and wholeheartedly disagree with that. So it was inappropriate I'm just saying for the lady to be naked in front of one of the kids, uh-huh. but not inappropriate if that lady decided to kill one of the kids. I support abortions in the 435th million trimester. But a naked woman in front of a kid is bad. Yeah, sexuality, bad. Violence, good. You are a true American. Absolutely. <laughs> like, I was going to say the same American. thing. Yeah. <laughs> Violence, good. Yeah. Sex bad. You are American American. All right, so with this, we see hands once again burying three voodoo dolls, and they cut from that to the cop talking to the priest, and because it's expository dialogue, and I apparently don't like taking notes anymore, that's our next clip. You were right to come to me. I probably knew them best. Enough of that now. That's what I thought. When a priest is close to his boys and age as well. Of course, it helps a lot. What I want is for them to come here with pleasure. Pass the ball. They're good lads. They prefer the house of the Lord to playing in the streets. <laughs> well, they like the soccer field. They're devoted to the Lord, but more to soccer, a lot more. They like you a lot, so I've heard. Do you want to know my secret? Let's hear it. I play soccer, too. Ah, I'm a very good center forward. People aren't worried much about their immortal souls. They watch TV, go to the movies. They read the papers with all those scandalous photographs. But you're a reporter, aren't you? Yes, I work for a daily. Things like this happen, and the world is shocked. I'm sorry. The water's turned off at six. Oh. You look for a culprit, but no one ever asks if the culprit isn't our would-be liberalism. No one? What can a poor priest do? Oh, I'm a friend of the news vendor, and certain magazines aren't sold here. In fact, they don't even get here. Cigarette? No. They're free. No, no. Go on. That's a sort of censorship, right? Mm-hmm. Do you think I'm wrong? No. But what can you do about that sort of thing? I'm afraid the news vendor can't do very much about her. No. <laughs> Well done, Alberto. What have they decided in Rome? Can you get married yet? Mm-mm. <laughs> it's nice to see a little new masculinity around. Oh, well, you will keep me informed because I'll be very interested to hear. <laughs> Finished? How much? That's all right. I'll bill you later. I wouldn't say she's your most devout parishioner. I know. 
In fact, it's only since you arrived here that funny things have been going on. What do you mean? Nothing. Just, just sometimes you get suspicious of everyone. Who's that? Ah, oh, she was born here. Her father made a fortune in Milan. You might have noticed that funny-looking modern-type building on the way into town. Yeah, is that her house? Yes, her father owns it, but he only built it for show. He never comes here. He hates the place. What's a girl here for? Wouldn't she be better off in Milan? Well, apparently she was implicated in a drug scandal a few months ago. I don't know any of the details, but her father seemed to think she'd better stay here. Hello? Oh, hello. What? No, I'm alone. No. Well, they're watching. That's so late. No, who's afraid? No, I can go out the back door. Nobody will see. During the clip, we actually do hear uh, Barbara Boucher's character hitting on the priest, essentially trying to get him to drop the frock and get it on. Mm-hmm. She's trying to entice the priest. Yep. Now that I was into. <laughs> we know. Yeah, there's there's some pornographic films like that that I like. I've seen your Google search history. We know. <laughs> Everyone's I have a seen thing for priests. Oh, you do, that's, huh? That is, yeah, that's a, that has been discussed on shows before. I do, and I love Gabriel Byrne because, you know, in one movie he plays a priest, and in another movie he plays Satan, like two of my favorite things. I don't <laughs> and how the one guy says, well, I wouldn't say she's your most devout. I mean, asshole, she was being flirty. It's not like she took her tits out. He also assumes that just by the way that she's dressed as well. She could be right. very pious and devoted to God. And maybe it's just fucking hot in Italy in the fucking summer, you prick. Right? Maybe so. And, you know, <laughs> Mustache heavy motherfucker. And the priest was the one smoking after all. Because she was at, remember, she was, she pointed to a cigarette and she's like, you know, like, oh, look, what are you doing there? I mean, now we all know she smokes, but. But in that scene, he was the one smoking. And according to Family Guy, if she smokes, she pokes. <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> I think she was just trying to point out, hey, you have one vice. Do you want to try another? And let's face it, Barbara yeah. Boucher is that's, tempting that's, for that's the most pious vice. human being. Yeah. That's a hell of a vice. Yeah. Once you go Barbara Boucher, you definitely never come back from no, that. Nope. That is the moment in this film where I realize I love this woman. <laughs> yeah. I do. I love her. You know, I really like this character. Take out the whole getting naked for the 12-year-old part. Which, and given the way that she behaves later on, I still feel like it's just that kid's fantasy, but the movie's ambiguous about it and makes you think she actually did it. You know, I'm going to, I really, I want to <laughs> go with you on that. I do, because if I look at it through that lens, then I really, really like this character and there's nothing wrong with her. You know, otherwise, that is a major flaw. The reason that I think that it's a, a fantasy thing is there's nothing in her behavior from here on out from that point in the film that really even represents anything that. It would show her to be capable of doing something like that. My yeah. only problem is the one thing that makes me think it's not is she mentions over and over A, how bored she is in this town, B, how no one understands her in this town, and C, how she gets cravings sometimes, which she wants to do anything to not go back in dr- on drugs again, and enticing a little kid is just funny enough to her that, you know, it gives her a little bit of a good time. I think you're making a, a, quite a leap with your logic there. I mean, I get bored all the time, but I don't I think start- you guys are making quite a leap, I think this is make-believe. It was in the movie. We fucking saw it. Yeah, but not everything we, in a movie is 100% real, particularly in a Fulci film. There's they, a lot of dream states. That. Yeah. They would have said that. They would have made it a little bit more obvious. Yeah, but that's the thing. That's the thing about Italian films is they don't always say everything. All right, so Barbara Boucher at the end of the clip ends up driving off, and then the young Michaela takes a call in the middle of the night and starts heading out into the rain. So one of your friends is already dead, but then again, I guess he thinks that they, uh, they caught the killer so he can head out at night. As his very disaffected parents just watch TV and pay absolutely no attention. Hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's be careful about the uh, disenchanted parents just watch
on TV, okay? You're hitting a little close to home. Yeah, well, if it's accurate, it's accurate. But my parenting style, better down. The boy comes across a man chopping at the underbrush, and it seems as though that particular person is chasing him. The boy gets terrified and continues to run. He then goes to hide behind some kind of underbrush when Red Herring, there you go, man, yes, told you to be in the nose. Thank you. Passes him and heads off in the opposite direction, continuing to chop at the underbrush. The boy stops and stands at a crucifix, trying to straighten up his clothes and his hair before being completely strangled. Well, it looks like even, like, and then there's another little hint. He smiles when the figure he first knows comes killer. out. Yeah, yeah, he knows. And then he, his face gets horrified. Well, it's clear that the person who called him on the phone is a person who's greeting him here, and he knew them and knew yeah. it would have to be someone that he trusted enough to be lured away. Yeah. We also could kind of think that, well, this is the boy who was enticed supposedly by Barbara Boucher's character, uh-huh. whether it's a fantasy or if it's real, however it happens. <laughs> so he has this in his brain where maybe she's interested in him. Yeah, maybe. It, uh, so he could have been lured yeah, away by her. her. It could have been someone who he has very deep he, feelings for with another connection. He still has another friend out there. Yeah, another friend could have lured him yeah. away that may be working with this person. We don't know. Yeah, you don't know. But he very clearly knows the person that goes to strangle him before they grab a hold of his little throat yes. and throttle the living shit out of him. And goddamn, that's the best part of this movie, watching this kid get strangled. Good God, man. Better than the naked woman part? Yes. Whoa. (laughs) Whoa. You all right, buddy? For different reasons, though. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't find it, you know, hot. I just. Are you still with us? Yeah, I was just thinking that's hot. Thank you for having my back on that, Jamie. Thank you very much. You your back on a lot of things tonight. Well, that's what I was hoping for. I said he's my spirit animal. It's just- <laughs> Cut away from this to a cop holding his dirty drawings. We saw those earlier where the kid was trying to come to terms with whatever, if either his fantasy or what he actually saw. And from the accurate representation of the amount of bush that she had, yeah. I think the kid may have actually seen her naked. I'm just saying. Thank you. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> Either that or that kid knew how to draw perfectly quaffed pubic hair. Yeah, I don't think <laughs> so. Though. I told you he had just come fresh from looking at whores. Yeah, but, yeah, but would they be that well-groomed? Yeah, they, would, no, they were not that no. well-groomed. <laughs> no, good point. And we then see the kids crying mother, and that leads to our next clip. <laughs> he ate with us up at the Signorinas. This was on his table. And then he came back here to study. He's never stayed out all night before. <laughs> Why were you and your husband so late getting in last night? Because Miss Patrizia was late. She likes me to be there. And she comes in. She's been worried she'll find an intruder. That's what she said. Find our boy, our little son. Oh, please. And does she make a point of, of going out at night alone? <laughs> no, just once or twice, as I remember. The dogs can't smell a damn thing with all this rain. Yeah. Look, I've had it, Martelli. I'm soaked to the skin. They'll certainly let us know if they find a clue. Go ahead, I'm scared. Okay, so long. I'm scared of thieves. I know it sounds silly, but there's nothing I can do about it. But you're not bothered staying out in your car from nine until midnight, or am I mistaken? No, your informers are right. Your source of information wins an award this time for accuracy. And do you want to know what I did during those hours? Nothing. I went up and down the highway like an idiot. For three consecutive hours? Yes. Well, it's a simple remedy when you're nervous. Have you been very nervous lately? I wasn't nervous. I was... No. What's the use? There's no sense in being mysterious. With all the gossip in town, I'd be surprised if they hadn't told you already. I used to take... I used to take drugs, and now that I'm clean, I occasionally get a craving. You saw nobody, did you? Nobody. And you never stopped the car at all? Why? You might have had to buy gas or get a cup of coffee. I don't remember. You've forgotten. We're talking about last night. I didn't stop. 
Well, that story doesn't quite check out, does no, it? No, it does not. <laughs> no. Something so fishy much in on. that clip, though. That's a good clip. Thank you. I pride because... myself on pulling out information <laughs> for clips. So in the first part of that clip, we get the cop basically accusing the mom of not being home. Yes. Like, well, where, why were you? Why were you home so late? You know, um, and it didn't say a word to the dad. Didn't ask the dad. Not one question. But he's just going at the mom. And then it's Patrizia. You know, she likes me to be there when she comes home. She's afraid of intruders. And then he's like, oh, does she have a habit of leaving her house alone? You know, because <laughs> women ought not do that. <laughs> yeah, the sexism is killing me inside of yeah. this part. Yeah, yeah, it's bad. And then I love the uh, I love the bit where he goes, you don't remember. We're talking about last night. <laughs> I just think that's funny. <laughs> well, she is a former drug addict. And as we all know, they don't have very good memories. I'm sorry, what? Nothing. Okay. <laughs> what are we doing right now? A podcast, idiot. Oh. The fuck's a podcast? <laughs> what we're doing right now, shut up. After this, it is revealed the crazy woman that we saw earlier is the one who has been making the voodoo dolls of the dead kids as she spits on one and then buries it. Nothing weird about this at all. No, that's not violent. Or strange. They cut from that to the funeral of one of the dead kids. They cut from that to the crazy woman walks to the church for the funeral mass and sneaks into the back. The police throw shade at an apparently mentally challenged little girl who is also deaf and dumb before one of the mothers has a full-on paper clips moment. The screaming, the killer is here. I can feel it. The killer is here. And then while she is screaming that, the film makes sure to cut through all of the people you are supposed to be thinking are suspects. We get that whole entire, who do you think it is? Could it be this person? Could it be Red Herring? Could it be this? Could, Could it be them? Could it be the strange woman who claims to be driving all over the place, reveals herself to small children? We'll never know! Is it the priest? You don't know. But for sure, we know it's Red Herring. Alright, so the crazy lady then scurries off out of the back of the church. We see two shots of this as she's running away. One says, like, Primo Ultima, and one the other one says, like, something else, and we then suddenly realize that it's a film trick, and the first time that I watch this, and then subsequent times, I always forget, and I love that they do that, where she scurries off. You get, like, a break of the fourth wall when it's actually someone who's been filming people coming and going through the funerals. Oh. It's the only actual police work on the whole goddamn thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. And they have a really wonderful discussion about everything that they've found through this evidence in our next clip. You see, Commissioner, she went into the church after everyone else was already inside, as if she didn't want anyone to notice her. Then after a few minutes, she ran away, because this woman is running away. Yes, but her sudden flight from the church could be explained by the fact that she practices magic. No, no, because Machara doesn't practice a damn thing, Commissioner. They claim she's a witch because she lives with old Francesco, but for no better reason than that. Besides, in this part of Italy, witches, whether male or female, work in close cooperation with established religion, understand me? Yes, completely. This so-called Francesco is some sort of magician. He practices black magic? Yes, that's it, sir. He's very much in demand. They come to see him from all over the place. Sicily, Calabria, every place. I thought being a magician was supposed to be profitable. Oh, it's a paying proposition, all right. Francesco's got a good-sized bank account. He lives way out here because he likes it. He's lived his whole life here in these mountains. No, go ahead. Mm. I can't understand why anyone would want to live like this. Hey, do you, Francesco? How you been? Can't complain. Uh, isn't Machara here? If you don't see her, son, and she's not here. When will she be back? Any idea, Francesco? Ask St. Anthony. I haven't seen her. Hide nor hair for over two weeks now. You mean she left two weeks ago and she hasn't been back here? How come? <sighs> and who is this? Well, he's a friend of mine. Ah, if you're looking for Machari here, you're wasting time. Does no evil and she knows none. You listen. Listen to the words of old Francesco. I've just got one or two questions more. Have you been looking for or aren't you interested? Sure, I looked. 
when she was near at hand. I looked on Friday, Friday at midnight. St. Rocco came to me that night in a vision and said to go to the oak near the crucifix. And what happened? I went to try and find her. The rain was like a blanket over the forest. Did you find anyone there beneath the cross or uh, by the tree? I found someone. The night? And nothing else. San Rocco's a big liar. Put your faith only in San Benedict. Nobody's been betrayed by him. See here, Francesco. Yes? A crime was committed, as you must know, on that very spot Friday night. If you say so. If St. Benedict reveals the killer, I'll pass the word on to you. He's just fooling with us. He ought to be arrested, Modesti. Yeah, if you got a mind to start a revolution in Achandura. Look, Francesco, all we want is to ask Machara a couple of questions. She hasn't been here for two weeks. And when she's coming back, only St. Benedict and St. Mark know that. Excuse me, I gotta take crap. If he's on the level, only St. Benedict can tell us that for sure. I bet he ain't talking. He may not know where she is, but one thing's clear. That woman has a reason for going into hiding. Now, what do you suppose brings her here? Be mighty interesting to know. Take this down. In latest developments, comma, a large contingent of state police has arrived here in Achindura from the regional capital, period. Apparently, they will be used to search the surrounding countryside. But the reason why the reserves are here in the town is not immediately clear, as there is no news as yet concerning the disappearance of any other children. Remember? You asked me about a lady called Aurelia Avaloni. That's her with a baby. I happen to notice her at the funeral the other day. She seems strange. We put up with her only because she's the mother of the priest, you know. Can you hear me? I know where you can find Macha. Yes. Yes, I know where it is, more or less. Who's speaking? Someone who wants justice. A uh, lot to unpack in that clip there. Somebody wants justice. So this leads to a search for another child as the crazy lady watches in fear because the law is closing in for this voodoo shit that she's pulling and she thinks she's responsible, I guess. Kind of hard to tell at this point. The cops search her cavern home or the place that her bed is laying and wherever she is actually at. I don't understand exactly where this is, but she isn't actually there at this moment. The dog ends up picking up some sort of a scent and then ends up digging up a baby skeleton. So once once again, the movie's trying to yeah. titillate us with that sexy, sexy dead baby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Matt, disappointing. They can't hear you shake your head on the podcast, dude. You know that. <laughs> they that's my disappointment. <laughs> no, they Court's, can't. Court's eyeballing that fontanelle. <laughs> He's like, look at all that ivory. Patella. Want to make a comb out of that bastard's rib cage? <laughs> they find the baby skeleton when the dog digs it up, and that leads to our next clip. Machala's child, you think? Yes, hers and Francesco's. It happened 15 years ago, if that. When she was a girl, they brought her to Francesco because she had the devil in her. According to rumors in town, Francesco got rid of the devil and in the process got the poor kid pregnant. But I repeat, sir, it was only chatter. Because if there really was a child, nobody ever saw it. It could have been born dead. Others said it might have lived for a couple of years and that she always kept it hidden away because it was the son of the devil. A natural assumption. Who established the paternity? Ignorance, Commissioner. That's what they say when a child is born deformed. You mean there was no investigation at the time into these matters then? No. No, there wasn't. I said these were rumors. We've got enough to investigate. But, Captain, are these merely superstitions? I don't know. I think you'd better ask Machara. This is where we really fully sort of get introduced into my favorite character in this film and how we learn more of her backstory, mainly through the cops who are talking about how she lives with this guy. And I love her. I think she has so many dimensions and she is Fulci's focal point for pretty much everything he's trying to say with this film. Okay, so the track 
tragedy that is this character is basically buried beneath the greater story of someone is killing children in this town. But mm -hmm. I do believe that the story that he wanted to tell about Michaela and the things that she's put through and the persecution that she suffers for her entirety of her life was there buried beneath the surface of the rest of the story so that he could try and get a point across. And I don't think that the initial viewing people will get that. Not really until subsequent viewings that I think that that really shines through. At least that's the case it was for me. No, I, I think that that's true because the first time that you watch it, you're focusing on the thing that's most directly in front of you, which is the killing of the children. But yeah, on subsequent viewings, you do tend to, or at least that's how it worked for me as well. Each time I watch it, I had gotten a little bit closer to her and now I just am, I'm there. But uh, I started noticing her and, you know, her character, her backstory in particular, the way it plays out with various people and ideals within this community. And then later on, we get to things that really sort of open that up. But yeah, this is, I, I think, honestly, a more intriguing story than the one that's right in front of your face. Yeah. And I think he did have to bury it because at the time it wasn't the story that people would be most interested in and would care about. But clearly, as much as he focuses on her, I believe that this is the story he really wanted to tell, that he wrapped around the exploitative elements of the Jallo to tell it. I, will, I would agree with that. Natural assumption. <laughs> Who established the paternity? <laughs> Who got the DNA from Satan? <laughs> all, all I wonder is if she was sent there to be exercised and gotten all of her demons, you know, mm -hmm. removed. Yeah. I think he's a sexorcist. Ah, yeah. I think he eliminates helps. demons by pumping them out of her with helps, penis. Helps unclog the demons. He's a sexorcist. Yeah. He's a, he a, fucks the devil out of you. Okay, so after this, we see that the crazy lady, Michaela, or whatever her name is, is being hunted down by the cops. She gets encircled by dogs that are basically just barking at her and looking like they're going to tear her to pieces that are not even really being held that well by the police. They continue to close in on her. She is horribly terrified. Two cops storm in and grab her. She is panicking and screaming for help. They cut from that to her interrogation and our next clip. I've murdered them. I put them to death, all three of them. I had seen the one called Michele near the place where I had buried my son. Mukshara, she's the one who put these here. Who said so? I found her yesterday. You bastards! Go away! It's not your land anyway! Don't you come back anymore! I'll break you! So I warned them. Instead, they came back and started digging around. I saw that the ground was changed. But if you buried your son in a cemetery... I couldn't. He was a child of the devil. I told you. Yes. To conclude, then, you killed those three boys to punish them? That's right. You didn't mention it to anyone, like old Francesco. I know Francesco's innocent. I swear to God. I asked him how to do it, but I didn't tell him why I wanted to know. What did you ask Francesco? How to do it. What do you mean to say? Strangle a child? But I didn't strangle them. You say you didn't strangle them? I put them to death in a different way. In what way did you do it? I don't want to say. Talk. Answer the question. What do you care? I told you I did it. Put me in jail. And that's it. No. How did you do it? I put them to death. I warned them. I said, I said, I'll break you. They shouldn't have done it. And they did. I told them not to. They asked for what they got. I gave it to them. But they asked for it. They went too far. I said, I'll break you. They shouldn't have. They, they, they asked for it. Death, bastards. I made three dolls out of wax and painted them black because the spell was for death. I stuck pins all the way through them. 
You have to do it 13 times. Then I said the words you have to say to command the devils. 13 devils enter someone's mouth. By the mouth, they infect the blood, and he kills. Who? Who does the killing? Anybody, man or woman. You're sure you couldn't be mistaken? You're not mistaking it with some other night? No, I'm certain it was Friday. Why don't you check my book and see for yourself? On the night when they killed poor little Michele Spriano, I found Machara, someplace near the ruined fort. Well, isn't that quite a distance from the oak? Yes, sir. A good 13 miles, sir. Uh, nobody could walk. But you saw her. You were very certain it was her. Yes, no mistake. I even asked the girl what she was doing on a night like that, and she swore at me. I see. Thanks, that's all. Are you convinced by that story? The only thing the Pachara has in her conscience is sticking pins and dolls. Yes, yes, I know. She's a bit crazy. That's all. Still, I'd like to keep her till I'm absolutely sure. What's the point of that? You're beginning to be like the people who want somebody arrested at all costs. I'm trying to avoid trouble if I can. Expecting more trouble, are you? No, no, I guess not. She's innocent. Nobody here says she's not innocent. Right. She's innocent, so she uh, can be released. Yes, she can. So release her in the morning. Yes, sir. God damn it, I love this movie. I, lo I love it because no one outright says it in this film, but he shows you that she is an epileptic. So when she was a child and she had, quote, the devil in her, they thought she was possessed. She was a fucking epileptic. And instead of getting medical treatment or taking her to a hospital, they took her to this guy. She, I mean, they didn't just take her there. They left her there. Mm -hmm, and then she possessed. ended up being raised by this magician who then got her pregnant and then who do you think convinced her that was the devil's child? Do you think that that's something she came up with her on, on her own? I doubt it. I mean, this poor girl has been, I mean, just nothing but mistreated her entire life. And I think it's brilliant that moment when she is basically breaking down in the police station and she goes into a seizure and no one says a word, like no one gives us any exposition, but it's just there in front of your face that this poor girl is an epileptic. That's fucking brilliant. Absolutely. This woman is clearly epileptic. Jamie absolutely nailed it right there. Yep. Either that or she has some other neurological disorder that when she gets worked up, it, it causes that. But if you've ever seen someone have a full-on epileptic seizure, that's exactly Especially what they're Especially the mimicking. foaming at the mouth. Yeah. yeah. And the film handles it so well. That's exactly, I've seen that. That's what that looks like. Yeah. And it's horrifying when you don't know what it is. And I can see where they would think that she is possessed. And to kind of answer the question you were getting at earlier, Jamie, I believe that the town was essentially stating that it's the devil's child because even if it was the magician child. He holds status in this town and power. So they're not going to be like, oh, so we sent you this 14-year-old girl and you continue to have sex with her? It's, yeah. no, exactly. no, the devil gave it, gave her a child. That's how Which we're all going to believe it. Is one, I mean, just one more example of how this is her fault. You know, just, I mean, oh, so many things are laid at the feet of the women in this film. And people have looked at this and claimed that Fulci was being misogynist and Fulci was being, you know, that. No, it's like we were talking about in the beginning. I think he is using these to cast a light on the people of this town and not just people of this fictional town, but the ideals of real people. Clearly, it's not like he's saying, you know, these guys are right. You know, no. I mean, God, no. I think he's no. showing us this and showing us how ridiculous all of this is. Well, and one of the things that this film clearly does, and I don't think anyone would argue regardless of whether or not they feel that Fulci is a misogynist, is that he is holding up a mirror for certain, showing what a town that 
is basically being run theocratically by a priest. The priest decides what magazines even can come into this fucking town. Yep. The way that these people are superstitious and all of their beliefs and how they basically govern their daily lives and make all decisions solely upon their religion well, and judge each other based on that and only that. Yeah, there's actually one of the actual cops who has a decent somewhat head on his shoulders. He's the one who says, you know, uh, about Giuseppe, he's a gentle soul. I've never seen him hurt anyone ever. You know, this is not the kind of thing he would do. He's the one that is constantly saying that she doesn't do any evil. She doesn't know any evil. She doesn't practice anything at all. She just sort of believes that she does and the townspeople believe that she does. But he seems to be a little more modern than the rest of the people. I believe in the one you're talking about is the bald-headed one and he's much like their chief of police. I do have a quick question about this main character or what we're calling the main character of Mikala or whatever her name. Sorry, I can't pronounce it. Uh, I have the inclination that the beliefs that she has that she can practice voodoo or this witchcraft and everything. I happen to think that the people in the town put this on her by telling her she was possessed. Her believing that her epilepsy is a sign of this. That she essentially embraced it and decided that because she is already in this world as far as everyone else is concerned, she's going to practice this witchcraft. Do you guys feel that she genuinely believes that she has these powers? Or is this just her way of trying to gain some control over the way that the rest of the world perceives her the where she's fighting back where it's like, okay, like a, like a woman that'd be like, okay, you're going to call me a slut, so here I'm going to start dressing like one and I'll show you what a slut will really be. I think because of how she was left as a child and raised, but I think she actually believes she has power. You think that being raised by that shaman guy who was... Uh, I think it's been beaten into her probably so much that, yes, yeah, she... Literally metaphysically, physically, and... Both. <laughs> figuratively. All, all of the above. <laughs> yeah, I think she... Well, I think she definitely, having been raised around and by him, she surely believes in his power because people come from all over. He's very well respected. He works with the church, which is something that I don't, I, I have never understood, but okay. Um, he uh, he works with the church. People come from like as far as Sicily and, and all the other places the guy named to see this guy. So I'm sure she truly believes in his power. So that's why when she says, you know, I ask him how to do it. You know, I think that she believes that she can through his tutelage. I don't know if she thinks she has any actual innate powers of her own or if she just believes that there are things that anyone can do that can then cause things to happen and you just have to know how to do them. Absolutely. I'm sold. Jamie's point of view. That's that's mine now. Okay. <laughs> that's how I'm looking at it. All right. So the lady in question is now released. And uh-huh. while she is wandering through the town, she is spat at, shunned. People literally close their windows and just try to ignore that she's there and just genuinely mistreated. They cut away from that to the poor crazy woman of the town wandering the countryside to, I'm assuming what would be her cave area, but we then end up seeing her in like a outside a gate of like a churchyard of some sort or something like that. And it is a churchyard. Yeah. yeah. She ends up finding that there are men waiting for her right there by the churchyard. They end up cranking some soulful 60s rock tunes in the English language cut anyway. <laughs> yeah. And then they converge upon her. I mean, that was just eerie. Yeah, the way that it started blaring it, you knew they were up to no good. It's yeah. set up right off the bat. And before she can even fully open the gate, one of the men slams her fingers into the gates Ugh. for the churchyard cemetery area, essentially breaking them. You can actually see pieces of knuckles pop yeah. out. The men then surround her in the cemetery area of the churchyard with chains and boards. They're sort of hiding them, but not really. They're, they have those chains and boards in hand. They very slowly encircle her. They hit her one at a time, taking their sweet time doing it to make her suffer as long as possible. Once with a chain, once with a board. Then she tries to walk away without actually confronting them. One of the men does this 
martial arts style backhand punch to her face, knocking her over where she is beaten once more with chains. The four men, after they're done beating her profusely, then wander off as she slowly tries to crawl. She then tries to get up and walk. She stumbles her way for a little bit and ends up crawling through the cemetery gate area for the churchyard. We then see her climbing. Now, I has always assumed before that this was the spot where she buried her child, but it's actually climbing up to the highway and I believe it's for help. Yeah, it's right at the yes. road. Yeah. Now, before and every car can see her. Yes, that's a really horrific part. And but the modern by. world, the modern world does not care. The modern world passes her by. It's several cars too. Yeah. This whole scene is the one that, I've, of course, that I was talking about, um, that I was needling about earlier. It is incredible. The, the way that the music changes sort of midway through. First of all, that's a shitty DJ. He changes in the middle of a song. What the hell DJ ever does that? But whatever. Isn't that only in the English dub that they do that, though? I didn't it, go back it to is, the Italian yeah. one. Yeah. They didn't um, I, I believe so. in there either. He, uh, <laughs> he um, it, it becomes almost operatic. You know, it starts off because of the music that is playing in the beginning. It almost is something out of like Tarantino or something. But then it just sort of ends up operatic. It is brutal and visceral. And it all takes place in a churchyard, which is typically a place that, where you would find sanctuary. You know, it's like she's going there to find sanctuary, only they supersede that. And it is brutal, like the most brutal part of the film, you know, the most violent part of the film. And this is another reason that people have nailed him for being misogynist, because he's glorifying, the, you know, wh- how these men are treating this, w- this woman. No, that is not what he's doing. He's not glorifying it. He is making it extremely uncomfortable. Who can watch this scene and not win? I mean, it's it's horrible. I would submit to anyone who thinks that this is glorification for her suffering that what we're actually seeing is the martyrdom of this poor woman. She is being beaten as if it is the stations of the cross. They even allow her to wander away or to try and crawl away at certain moments where her abuse and eventual being beaten to death by these men takes place. Especially because it's in a churchyard, it reminded me of that because it really felt like the stations of the cross and also Fulty was a horrible lapsed Catholic. Like he had a lot of issues with the church. He did. Well, of- which is one of the reasons this film was banned was because it was uh, an outright, uh, they didn't like it. But um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they didn't like what he had to say. But you're absolutely right. You, you are, I mean, her martyrdom is very clear here. And this is not, I get my jollies off watching women in pain. And if you are so uh, shallow that that's what you get from this film, then I don't think you need to worry about what Fulci's thinking. I need you, I think you need to rethink your own thoughts because you're clearly missing something. When a mirror is put up and you hate what you see in it, it's not the mirror's fault. Bam! (laughs) That's all all I'm saying. Because that's exactly what this is. If you don't see what he's trying to show you, he's showing you everything that's wrong with the whole development of this town, the reliance on the religion that justifies the mistreatment of this person because they are outside of their society, outside of what is okay in their faith. If this makes you angry and you want to say it's misogynistic because of that, it's because you're missing the point and you're part of the problem. Yeah, I mean, uh, one of the the one of the, uh, th- the messages that runs through this film repeatedly is, you know, I'm going to save your soul if I have to kill you to do it. And uh, which how many times have we seen this happen in real life where someone doesn't necessarily they, they think they're doing the right thing and often in the name of God, but it actually turns out that they're doing something incredibly horrible. Um, these townspeople, I think, believe they are truly justified in what they're doing because, you know, in their eyes, she's evil and she's a witch. And, you know, because that's 
one of the few stations that women are allowed to have in in their viewpoint. I also think she shows the dangers of, of mob justice in which she's free. She There's no way that she could have killed those kids. The, the police mm-hmm. determine it and she's let go. But yet you can't convince a mob of anything. You can convince one person of something. You can't commit, you know, convince one. And that's true even today. Fears. And it shows a general form of paranoia of what happened to this town being cut off from the rest from the rest of the world and that they're just fucking they, they, they're insulated and when you have insulation you have paranoia. Were any of the men involved in the beating of this woman? They're the three fathers. The, they are the fathers? They're all three of the fathers. I always suspected that but yeah. I never bothered to confirm it. I just assumed automatically Yeah, they're, they're all the three of the fathers. Yeah, so this is the easy way out because once again we see men blaming women for things that were also their fault. Yeah. Because Well, because go all the way back to the beginning. Whose fault is it? I mean, in the very, very, very beginning, it's our fault. I mean, you, you know, couldn't just say no to the apple. <laughs> Neither could you. <laughs> the apple I don't was remember her forcing it down his fucking throat. <laughs> Coincidentally, but, if she did, my uh, sex there, there, there is another Bible written like that, but that's for other people who like different things. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyway, uh, so then it culminates with her. Yes, like you said, um, climbing up and seeking help. And then what we have are these happy, like they look like families on the way to Disneyland or something. I you think know, they're, they're off after, to like a swimming hole somewhere in the mountains. Their like families a, yeah, they're families really, are just on a vacation on road yeah, trips. Yeah. They're vacationy. They're happy. They're, you know, giggling children and, you know, they're they're jolly and they're driving right by this woman who is tattered and broken on the side of the road. And none of them even drop their smile. They just completely write it off like it's no big deal. Ain't well, that problem. the one family did, like the dad dropped his smile and they looked and they but he just kept driving. So like, uh. One out of what, eight cars? Yeah. No, I know. I'm just saying. Yeah. So they cut away from that to our very next clip. A horrible crime. Bred of ignorance and superstition. We construct gleaming highways, but we're a long way from modernizing the mentality of people like this. I'm going to discover the men who did it and punish them. Right you are, sir. That means punishing the entire town. Impalomani. Impalomani. You satisfied? Listen here. Every now and again, it's a good idea to think twice and keep your mouth shut. But, Captain, I was telling the truth. I'm aware of that, but a little truth goes a long way in this town. Next time, remember that. Yes, sir. Oh, look, your doll's been broken. Isn't there any way you can get it fixed? (laughs) If you want, I'll buy you a nice new one. Excuse me, miss. She doesn't understand. She's deaf and dumb. Oh, I didn't know. But all the same, there's no reason why she should have a doll without a head on its neck. Is there a shop around here somewhere where we can buy you another doll? There's a stationer's over there. They also sell toys. Good. We'll buy you a brand new one. Happy? Martelli, get moving. I'm coming right away. Well, miss, I... I wish you'd stop addressing me like that, all right? My name is Patrizia. Pleasure. My name is Andrea Martelli. (laughs) Hello? Martelli, you coming? I'll be there in a minute. So, uh, I'll see. Joe, now don't be sad. I'll buy you a present. Come with me, it's all right. That's it. Come on. We're going to buy you a nice new doll. Come on, let's do it another day. Those two are always around. So what? Say I spend all the dough. Without any money, those birds won't even let you watch. Look at those police. Do you think all those police would be here like that without some reason? That's a search party for the killer of those other kids, you jerk. Listen, I'm going home. Ah, the police are doing their map training, stupid, like last summer. They already caught the killer. Machado's dead. I tell you, the murderer's dead and buried. Come on, you're just a scaredy cat. I'm not afraid. I got enough money. They did it with Byron. He's crazy. You coming? I don't feel like it. I'm afraid. Scaredy cat, come on now. No. Go on and play soccer, sissy. You like that, don't you? I'm not a sissy. Yes, sissy. You're a liar. Oh, go play soccer with Don Alberto. Mario! <laughs> 
Mario! Come back here, it's getting late now! Who gives a damn? God damn, that kid is determined to yeah. get with some hookers. <laughs> right? <laughs> Like, fuck all of y'all. He's got some they, moxie, though. They did it with Barra, and he's crazy. <laughs> yeah, well, that's probably what he wanted the six million lira for. Yeah, right. <laughs> he's like, I can spend half of it just leering at other people having sex with the hookers. Spend half of it getting the hookers. Lira-ing. Y- yeah, lira-ing. Lira-ing. <laughs> You're too smart for this fucking show, Jamie. <laughs> <laughs> that was dumb. <laughs> I stand by what I said. <laughs> It may have been dumb, but it was still too, too smart, smart for, for this, this show. show. <laughs> when the lead cut says you can build this highway through this town, but it won't bring this town update. The one I'm speaking of, is he's the one who always wears the suit, and he seems to be like the out-of-town inspector. Oh, that is, guy. Who yeah. got shipped in himself. Who, who shipped Who got shipped in, and so he's kind of not used to how this, like a town like this runs, because, you know, he's probably from the city, and that's when, yeah, because that's one thing that really stuck with me, it's because this highway is such kind of like a focus in this movie. It's almost a, it's a whole area like that where people spend a lot of time near. And yeah, while you can have that highway, it runs right through that town or right, you know, sideswipes it. So it doesn't really modernize the town at all. If anything, it makes them more inclusive and circle the wagons and no outsiders. Exclusive. Right. Well, I think Exclusive, I, I think yeah. that it has it holds the key to a ton of metaphors. Well, and you also see the way that that bypass is built. It is literally bypassing the rest of the world is leaving this town behind and yeah. they're driving past it. Yes. I think you have to take an exit to get to it, which means you have to exit off of the normal path of modern society to get to this backward-ass fucking villa in the mouse. No thanks. <laughs> also, I think just some of the camera angles that you see that this overpassing is shot from, or the angles at which it's shot, it sort of gives you that impression that it is going away. I don't know, like in the beginning especially, when we first see it, it seems very separate from everything else. And like it, it's leading away from the town, you know. And it's almost as if it is above them, literally, because yes. of towering above that valley and away yes. from where they're at. It's very metaphorical the way that it's placed in the film and shown so I agree with there. Alright, so they cut from that to the kids playing soccer and the priest being the fucking petter ass that he is singles out the sad kid who's lonely and sitting by himself because he knows that he's vulnerable and can use him to his own means and he talks to the kid and learns about the hookers. God, I think you're really putting a lot of shit in there, but okay, let's go. Yeah, I think you might have some issues. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you think Court might have some issues with Oregon? religion? <laughs> really? You think? You're right. Priests were not found to be fucking kids and there wasn't a massive conspiracy cover up in that church. I'm just saying at this moment no, you're probably referring is, something. true but every priest. Yeah, there wasn't every priest. Yeah, just like it, it's it, not it, all men. Hashtag it, me too. <laughs> Good God almighty. <laughs> Way to transfer on that one. Hey, you gotta pivot. Yeah, I guess. I learned it Jesus. by watching you, man. <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of proud of you right now. <laughs> Alright, so he learns of the hookers and how they've been banging these preteen boys for cash because even these hookers don't care so long as you got money. Yeah. Yeah, that could be a clip actually now that I think about it. Unless <laughs> you got the cheddar. Yeah, you can get in between those thighs. Why make the money if you can't enjoy spending a little bit of it? Yeah, the priest is obviously angry about this or is it because he's jealous that the boys are going to the girls for love and not him? That is something, once again, you were referring heavily on in this movie. 
I'm just saying. Yeah, that is the one thing I actually don't think is happening yeah. in this film. Is I do not think this this priest is a pederast. No, he's not. Okay, fine. This priest is not fucking he's little really, kids. He's really cute. This one priest is not fucking little kids. He's not the only priest who isn't fucking little kids. Are you sure? Yeah. It sure seems like he might be. No, but he's not. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so he ends up being pissed off that all this is happening, and in his rage, seriously, this is what happens. In his rage, he calmly walks over to his bike, hops on, and rides off to go take care of business. <laughs> it's the most <laughs> angry, calm walk over to a bike and then stopped <laughs> pedaling to a bike I've ever seen. <laughs> I was like, wow, this dude's really enraged. Oh, look it's at like him It's like hanging up on someone with a cordless phone. <laughs> <laughs> it's like trying to walk out and slam the door of a tent. <laughs> All you end up doing in is tearing it. <laughs> in yeah. an argument. Just, uh, I'm nice. going to zip it really hard. I'm going to zip this fast. That means I'm mad at you. That's a modified Mitch Hedberg joke. What I believe so, yeah. yeah. They cut from this to Barbara Bechet. Thank you, movie. She's hey. riding around in her buggy, but her buggy ends up with a flat tire, and the little boy coming back from hiring the hookers is there checking out the flat tire of the buggy. He starts screwing around with the buggy and the car horn, and then she comes up and asks him if he knows how to change a tire. He asks for a jack. She then offers cash, which she didn't need to do because he would have done it just because she's fucking hot. Just saying. True. And then asks if he would like a kiss or the money. He gets a little cheeky looking at her, but they cut away from this to... I mean, a kiss? Probably not. I'd take money instead. They cut away from this to that kid's corpse, so awesome movie. That really puts a lot of suspicion on Barbara Boucher's character right there. That was really well done. Red Herring. Yeah. I think that is her character's name is Red (laughs) Herring. Red Herring. The kid is dead and face down in the water, and because it's been, I don't know, two paragraphs since the last one, it's our next clip. It's more than just a bruise this time. It's a contusion. Yes, a violent blow by a blunt weapon. In my opinion, the autopsy will show that the wound wasn't fatal, but that the boy died by drowning. Yes, death by suffocation, like what happened to Bruno Locascio. Only there the child was smothered. He made an easier job of it this time. The priest found him. He was passing on his bicycle, saw the child's body. He guessed what had happened right away. Uh, What time was it exactly, Father? Do we question him? Later. If and when the reporters decide to leave him in peace. Captain, one second. Captain Modesti. This time people can't blame Machara. You don't think so? I can't see any of them with a look of guilt on their faces. The only thing that I can see is a look of fear. Okay, so during that clip, the reporter actually finds the lighter that Barbara Boucher's character had been using earlier, and they cut from that to he is waiting inside of her home, the thing she fears most to break in, and he's fucking done that as she drives up. You know, I never even thought of that. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't think of that either. Yeah. Very nice. She's very charmed by the fact that the one thing that she's constantly complaining about, this man goes ahead and does. Yeah. Yeah, and now she's so happy that he did it. Yeah, so is she really afraid of that, or is this more of her king? Oh, I don't know. Well, maybe this has to be a quote-unquote masculine man. I don't know. Uh, he gives her the third degree about the lighter and then starts asking a bunch of other questions. He mentions that he has not brought this up to the cops because he's a reporter and he wants the scoop and he's trying to find a way to use this as leverage on her. She gets indignant about it and so they cut away from this to the cops interrogating her to find out about what it is she is up to. She admits she stopped somewhere after being basically told to repeat her story over and over again. She fucks it up repeatedly. They keep catching her in the lie. She finally gets to the point where she just admits that she was driving around and she stopped. Then she claims that she had stopped to try and score some marijuanas. They ask her if it was hash. She straight up says, no, it was marijuana. See, this is the problem. She's injecting the marijuanas yep. and if she's not careful, she's going to turn into a homosexual. The homosexual <laughs> frog. Gay. Frogs, freaking frogs, It's not 
right, so she also tried to deny that she hung out with the magician dude that we were talking about, even though the police clearly saw her going into his little den. She becomes increasingly irritable because that, we know, proves that you're innocent when you start getting angry at the cops for catching you in your lies and your cover-up. You're doing poorly in this right now. We're not seeing that constantly in the news right now in our country where someone's completely indignant about being caught up in all their lies, are we? Why do I want a Cheeto all of a sudden? I don't know. Okay. She starts to mix up the facts and then starts making up her own alternative facts and starts lying. She comes <laughs> she comes clean to the mustache reporter in our final clip. Sure, if I'd done as you suggest, I'd have told the police he changed my tire. My God, you're a genius. If somebody told them that, I'd be in the clink by now. I threw the lighter into the john. I don't give a damn how much it cost. In my opinion, you're crazy. I mean, why get rid of uh, the cigarette lighter if you're going to tell me about the boy? Well, I've got to talk to someone, don't I? I mean... You're the only civilized human being in this lousy place. Thanks a bunch. I'm damned if I know how my father got himself born here. Look at it. The hypocrites in this town make me sick. They make a point of putting flowers in the poor victim's grave, and meanwhile, the person who killed him is one of them. And you people give them rope. Do you know something? I like to think so. Well, this looks like the head of the Donald Duck I gave Malvina. Oh? Oh, yeah, I put it there myself. For that macabre touch. I thought you bought her a doll. They were all ugly. The only decent one was Donald Duck. Where did you find it? Near the wash tub. Where do you suppose the rest is? Andrea, there's nothing here. Go on, keep looking. Where did you find that head anyway? Right where you are now, a little behind you. Keep on looking. It's useless. Don't give up. Kid or a dog could have carried it away. I found another. Another head? It's just like I said. The priest's house is right there. Malvina came out that night and saw the kid being murdered. She did the same thing to her dolls, but she didn't mean to behead them. She probably just squeezed too hard. Apparently, what she'd seen had made a horrible impression on her. That's very likely. So the poor child imitated the murderer. A child is capable of such a thing. And Malvina, you already know about her mental condition. Father, if Malvina was there during the killing, do you think she might be able to recognize the murderer? She got a good look at him, why not? How is she going to be able to tell us what she knows if she's deaf and dumb? At the age of six, she has a mind of a child of three. If we questioned her the right way, we'd surely find out who she saw that night, if she really saw him. Cigarette, Father? All it takes is a great deal of patience and gentleness. (laughs) You don't really expect that from the local police now, do you? She's right. We ought to do it. Hmm. My son has forgotten one thing. At night, the door is locked. Always. And not because of thieves but because of Malvina, precisely for her, in case she got the idea of going out. You know how careful I am, Albert. Yes, Mother, you are. That rather explodes the whole theory. I brought some candy for Malvina. The door's always locked at night. So Malvina didn't go out. She didn't see a damn thing. She tore off the heads just because she felt like it. Is that the sort of crap they'll publish in your newspaper? Door was open, because her mother left it open on the way out. Oh, really? And where does she go at that time of night? Picking Daisy? To kill those boys. Oh, honestly, where do you get all those crazy ideas? Let me tell you something I ever heard. Donna Aurelia's husband committed suicide. In town, they say it was her fault, whether it was or not. One thing is certain, she tormented him with her jealousy. She's mad. But what has that got to do with the kids? Apply the same thing to them. They were all from the Paris church. They stole her son's affection. A form of jealousy might drive her to murder. I think the whiskey went to your head, you know. Hello? Oh, hello there. No, I haven't. But did she say that? No, I just had a feeling maybe she'd taken the child to thank you for your kindness. The candy, the doll. No one's been here. Sure I will if I see them. Of course. Don't worry, Don Alberto. That was Don Alberto. He asked for Aurelia and Malvina. He can't find them anywhere at all. 
Dun, dun, dun. Red herring. Nope, nope. It's all gone now. We know exactly what's going on. Yeah. No, there's still and one left. God damn it. There's still <laughs> one red herring left, my friend. It's always it's red herring. It's her fault. It's her fault because she's a crazy, jealous woman. Yes. That's Our the final of red herring is Jamie. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Turns out it was a woman born several years after this film was made. <laughs> see? You never see it coming. What a twist. M. Night Shyamalan. Ooh, what a twist. <laughs> all right. So we see the priest's mom dragging the daughter up the side of the mountain as we kind of got hinted at in that clip and the little girl has the headless Donald Duck doll. Now does anybody Which, By the way, oh, I had heard, tell me if you have heard this before, but I noticed how it was painted yellow in this film. Yes. Did you notice that? Yes. Okay. I have heard that they did that because of Disney and that they weren't given permission to use actual Donald Duck, so they painted it yellow so it wouldn't be Donald Duck. But then in the American language version, they refer to it as Donald Duck, so that seems to kind of be make the whole thing moot. I'm just going to go ahead and so, assume Disney finally owns this movie because they own everything else. <laughs> uh, Jamie, you're not wrong, and as a matter of fact, what I had heard was Fulci had intended to call this Don't Torture Donald Duck was going to be the uh-huh. name of it because he does actually have a thing with Donald Duck that shows up even later in the New York Ripper where one of his killers talks like Donald Duck. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. So, so the reason it was changed to Duckling was because originally it was going to be Don't Torture Donald Duck, and I think the Donald Duck doll was going to have more prevalence in the story to kind of... More of a thing? Yeah, more of a thing that was actually used instead of what we ended up with in the film. And at the time, I believe Disney put the kibosh on that. Now, the English language dub was used elsewhere in the world for English-speaking language countries because it was never released in the United States until the 70s. That's or, true. Until the 90s, I mean. 90s, yeah. And that is mostly due to Disney. <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you right now, Disney just, they'll, they'll promote their stuff in anything, won't they? <laughs> yeah, but they won't allow it here with Not this yet. kind of stuff. But Okay, so the priest's mom is kind of heading towards a cliff face there, and we're thinking because of the setup that she's going to probably kill the little girl to cover up all of her crimes because this film is trying to point out how everyone automatically suspects women of everything wrong because Adam, Eve, Bible, Catholic Church. No. Evil. Women are evil. Now that we've all brought you up to speed, women are the biggest antagonists in the Bible, more so than the Romans and everything else. Thank you for a minute, Jamie. That's really brave of you. <laughs> wow. It's the vagina. Can't help it. It's true. That's my excuse I use for everything. Yeah, really mine too. It's really weird. <laughs> yeah, pretty much yeah. everything. Yeah. All right. Sometimes it's, wow, it's the boobs. It's my Can't ex- help it. It's my excuse why I do anything in this life. Literally, I get up in the morning just for vagina. <laughs> pretty much, yeah. That's the only reason I wake up in the morning. Is there any other reason? Breast. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah that's a good number two. <laughs> I'll give you two other reasons, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so we're assuming once again that the priest mother is trying to hush up the little girl by death. The fact that the child may or may not know who the real killer is because she was out and about whenever the door was opened. We're still suspecting the mom in this because women are evil. And it turns out the reporter is actually married and still banging Barbara Boucher. They do hint at that, but they don't show it. Yeah. They kind of make it seem like she had a tryst with him. And she's okay with the fact that she's married, but that pretty much made the window close on that for him. Yeah. She got her. She doesn't care. This was in the conversation in the car on the way to go rescue the girl. Like, that's really what's pressing right now yeah, for yeah. them to talk about. But whatever. We gotta save this well, little girl's life. Anything that the men do is just brush over to like it's discovered that he does have a wife and Children he basically too. you know said forget it forget that for the moment and the only response to that is too bad yeah as in <laughs> we can't have a further relationship it's okay that you cheated on your wife because you know men have to do what right, men do because yeah. men do what men do you know meanwhile a woman is upset at three boys for taunting her about grieving
grieving over her dead baby and she gets killed in a very brutal fashion. <laughs> That's balance. So the priest we then see storms in on Mama and ominously leans on the baby as both of them start to wrestle for the child with each other. And then once the priest gets a hold of the child, Barbara Boucher's character and the reporter make the climb up just in time to see the priest is actually the one emerging from this little hut that the mom was trying to hide the baby in with the mute child. The mother screams to the priest to bring her sister back to her and not do what he's about to do. Turns out the priest is our killer and he has been using religion to justify his murdering of kids. So it was red herring all along. Turns out people are killing people because of religion. Who'd have thunk it, Matt? Who'd have thunk it? Yeah. So that's what's going on because he wants to save these kids from going to hell. His whole thing is he's going to kill them while they're still innocent so they don't commit the sins that they're committing. However, several of the kids he killed just hired hookers, so therefore, too late, dude, you just sent those kids to hell. Yeah, right? Just saying. (laughs) Well, at least the last one got up. At least they went out with a bang, right? At least they got off before they got off, am Mm -hmm. I right? Yeah. All right, so he prepares to throw his own sister over the side of a cliff just to try and cover up his crimes. It's all right, she's deaf and dumb. She doesn't know. In full view of a reporter and another witness. (laughs) She's subnormal. How how sad is it that she clings to him and she kisses him. She loves him and she trusts him. That just breaks my heart. But in his fucked up yeah. mind, he loves her It is trying to save and her. And he's right. I mean, he, well, I mean... Well, not really. At this, he didn't at this do anything point, wrong. Yeah, at this point, I think he's up. just... Right. I think at this point, he's just trying to keep her quiet. <laughs> Yeah, right. But the previous kids, he, you know, he had some sort of fucked up, you know, thing. But it's just it's so sad. I'm sure in his mind he's justifying this because the glory of what she will have when she's in heaven, all of her ails that she has on earth will be rewarded in yeah. heaven. She because she suffered right. here on earth, she will have a much more glorious life in heaven or the some horseshit is probably the earth shit. Right. Because she is mentally incapacitated here on earth, she will be brilliant in heaven. Which if that's the case, blah, man, blah, blah. I'm gonna own a lot of shit in heaven. Yeah, you will probably own a lot of stuff and you will actually be smart. Yeah. Because you're dumb. Am I dumb? you dumb. All right. Well, if I'm dumb, you're dumb. <laughs> you dumb. You dumb. <laughs> you're the one who had a show with me. This is your idea. You dumb. You begged your way on here and I, I had did. pity. And you, yeah. That was the dumbest <laughs> thing I ever did. See, I'm just saying. All right. So the reporter slows up to try and stop the priest pretending that it's all okay. He just wants to talk with him. And then he starts trying to wrestle away the little girl, which terrifies her because she trusts her brother. She has no idea who this stranger is, which is even more heartbreaking. Yeah. And he gets the girl away from the priest, sets her down and tries to send her off on her own, and they have a cliffside motherfucking fist fight over the life of this little child. This is incredible. Oh, yeah. This is a really cool sequence. The the priest even tries to cane the dude in the brain pan with a giant rock. Biblical reference there for you Catholics, like they listen to this show. (laughs) He then pummels pummels the priest and starts beating the ever-loving piss out of his face with his fist, once again terrifying the little girl. He goes to save the girl who is terrified of him because he just beat the fuck out of her older brother. The priest then brains the distracted man with a goddamn rock and then leads his sister off before having to slap the living shit out of Barbara Boucher who tries to attack him to stop them from killing this girl. He then tosses the reporter and ends up having him slide off the cliff. The reporter catches himself and then the priest goes full on bully and starts stomping on the reporter's hands as he's hanging on trying not to fall off the side of the cliff. 
cliff. The priest goes for one last stomp, and the reporter does the smart thing, catches the man's foot, gets him off balance, and uses the momentum of the stomp to send him over the cliff. The priest goes over the cliff and transforms himself into our second dummy of the film as he falls, bouncing his face off the goddamn rocks with a flashing explosion as happening. I guess that was supposed to be sparks from the, the skull hitting the rock. I'm not sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, either way, it looked fucking awesome. Don't care. <laughs> die! Die! And then we Who see- does not think of Team America when they see that dummy? <laughs> <laughs> That's all I can think about. Every time I see his face getting down the mountain, I'm just like, America! Fuck yeah! While he's hitting the rocks, he starts having some flashbacks of his weird sexual fantasies of the little boys that he's murdered and or tried to quote-unquote save, and Ugh. he falls to his death. The camera pulls back. We then see the petter ass just lying there, dead as a corpse, and the camera continues to pan out a little bit more. We see the valley and across the mountains. We get the idea of how we are now moving away from this backwards-ass place, and we are saved when they roll credits. <laughs> All right. Well, I think we pretty much hit just about all of the loving, gushy stuff that we need to do, but let's just fucking do it again. All right. God damn, this is a great film. It was a really good movie. Yeah. It gets better every single time I see it. Absolutely. And I find myself peeling layers back every single time I see it. I'm finding more and more things that I didn't notice, and particularly this time around, because this time I am watching it with that more critical eye. I'm trying to dissect things, and I'm looking for more and more things. All the stuff that I wanted to hit, we already hit kind of while we were going mm-hmm. through the notes, the part about how I feel that it's the Michaela or Michaela or how Makarla Mar- or whatever her name is. I think it's Machara. Machala. Machala. Oh, so-and-so. Machara. Yeah. It's her story. This film is her story. It just so happens that she went down for a crime that she didn't commit. She was an innocent victim. Yeah. But we couldn't follow her the whole way through the story the way that Fulci would have probably wanted to do it. But it feels like a smaller short film about a woman who's been mistreated and abused her entire life wrapped around a greater story of the thing that is encompassing her life and just basically the torment of the church and the people that are the gang mind behind it in this small backwards ass town and it really resonates with me because it's kind of like the town that I grew up in that's <laughs> kind of the way that people behave some way shape or form no I don't think any priests were actually murdering children that I can prove and believe me he's tried oh I have you wouldn't believe the amount of Scooby doing I tried to do to prove that <laughs> priests and, and pastors were murdering children fucking but, zoinks yo yeah. I think that he has a lot to say here that, that, oh man, a good chunk of it, I think, is aimed directly at the church and at people's mindsets surrounding religion altogether and what happens when you live in a sort of a secluded society that has not moved forward with modern times. He has a lot to say about women and how they were viewed as well as just the mentality, like small town mentality. You know, there are just so many different things that you could pick out of this and they're all, I think, very brilliantly done and without shoving it in your face. You know, that's the thing I love about this film is no one has to give you an expository dump at the end of the film, you know, to get the point across. They're all deftly delivered throughout. You don't require Norman Bates's doctor to tell you why the no, priest behaved ex- in the way he was doing it. You that is precisely it. the scene I was picturing. Well, and I also think another main character, maybe even more so than uh, the woman, is the main character is the town itself yes. of this movie. I and, agree. Okay, here, here, here goes 
my uh, psycho babble. I'm sorry you guys triggered it. Oh, all right, everybody, everybody who's ready to go, here's your shot where Court does his psycho babble. Yay! (laughs) All right, the town itself is a microcosm of the greater problems that is overtaking Italy as far as I can see how Fulci interprets it. The church itself is fueling this isolationism where they don't need any outside influence because they need to keep, especially during the time frame of Mussolini and things like that, they need to keep it Italy for Italians, if you will. They, Mm -hmm. They have to keep things, you know, nationalistic and that type of pride in the town and how they have a certain way of doing things and heavens know you can't bring in that publication because it's not keeping with the tone of what we want for the town. It goes against our religion. It goes against our beliefs. It goes against what we stand for in our moral high ground and having the priest be the center of that and in control. And it turns out the entire time that the person that was giving you your morals is a fucking murderer who is taking lives in the name of religion and saving your soul. I mean, it goes further like with the wars that not only the Catholic Church, but Christianity in general with the Crusades ended up doing because the faith wasn't our faith and it's the other. It's just a microcosm of everything that is wrong with humanity filmed in this little tiny town that you can just expand out and see through all of us and everything that we've ever done wrong as humans. And it's so wonderfully done, wrapped around the sleazy little story of a priest killing children in a small town. Love it. All right, well done. Well, that was was fantastic. That was was pretty. Well done. Yeah. (laughs) I love it. And Matt, uh, that that was actually very good, Court. Thank you very much. Um, And Matt, when you said that the town, you know, about the town being the main character, it reminds me of the line where he says, well, it can't have been Machara. She's dead and buried, you know, and he's like, oh, well, I've, I can't picture them with a look of guilt on their faces, but I can see fear. Yeah. You know, like they will never be sorry for what they did to her. They're still scared of some other perceived evil that's outside of them. Exactly. But it is the town. And it's like when he said, you know, we're going to punish the men responsible for this. And then he says, then you have to punish the whole town. Yeah. Because they are a hive mind, basically. Exactly. Yeah. And damn it. Anyone who listens to this show and still has the nerve to call this film like base or exploitative, they're silly. It has those gooses. You're a silly goose. It has those elements, Jamie, but what it's there is to take a gorehound like me at an impressionable age when I bought this in my like late teens at the time and just wanted to see a movie about a priest killing kids and knowing that that's exactly what I was going to see from looking at the cover and reading the description of what was going on in the back because Anchor Bay like to spoil their movies in the descriptions back all the time. <laughs> like, I wanted to buy it for that reason, for those exploitative elements, because I knew that there was going to be naughty, forbidden stuff in it. And then realizing that there was a message that got jackhammered into my brain sideways and made me think that's exactly like, where Fulci loves to live. Or it was like, hey, who's bannering a message into me? Wait a minute. <laughs> I always hated organized religion, Fulci, but now I have evidence. <laughs> as anecdotal as it may be. Hey, hold on. Are you making me feel feelings? I did get upset about feeling feelings quite a bit back then. So, yeah. <laughs> I don't, but then that's, that's exactly the point at which I believe it fails to be exploitative. It ceases to be exploitative. It, if it is used for a purpose other than, than straight up titillation, then I don't, I wouldn't call it exploitation. I only call it exploitation when there is no reasoning behind it, when there's no use for it other than, I mean, that's my personal definition is if there, it's actually attempting to say something. But the thing about these films is that they, they choose to say something in a very brutal manner, but that's the way that it gets to you the deepest, like say something like I spit on your grave. I also don't consider that an exploitation film, but that's because I think every frame of that film has meaning. And a lot of people don't see it that way, but that's my point of view. Holy shit, Jamie, you want a job? (laughs) 
Does <laughs> <laughs> she have enough already? Yeah, apparently. But she could do your job because all she has to do is fucking, you know, <laughs> bounce ideas off of me. Yeah, right. <laughs> Anybody can fill your role. They could just sit there and look at their phone. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Ain't that hard. All right, folks, we're going to take another break here. We're going to play a promo for another one of Jamie's great podcasts. We'll have a little bit of music befitting of Don't Torture a Duckling. And when we come back, we will do the PSYOP news. We interrupt our program to bring you this important message. I tell you, ladies and germs, that ghoul friend of mine makes me so crazy. She told me she thought she'd look good in something long and flowing. So I threw her in the Mississippi. Are you seeking discussion of horror on the small screen? Then look no further than Evil Episodes Podcast. Join your hosts, Mike Nyman, Brian Sammons, Jamie Sammons, and a large variety of guests as we break down all the favorites and not-so-favorites in horror TV. So grab a snack. And of course, be sure to grab and join us for Evil Episodes Podcast on the Horror Feeling Network and Legion Network of Podcasts. So maybe it doesn't fit that well, but talking about the Bastards of the Young, Sons yeah. of No One. God damn it, it's the fucking replacements. Do I need an excuse to play the replacements on this show? So. The fucking great band. I don't think you need an excuse to play any of the bands you like playing on the show. So I can just play whatever the fuck I want? Yeah, pretty much. Oh, well, it's I mean, my it's your fucking show. It's my show, right. You run Barter Town. Yes, finally, you've learned that. <laughs> Dude, I've said that a lot. Well, you know what I want since I run Barter Town? What's that? Give me some psyops. After a urine sample damages 7-Eleven microwave. <laughs> I saw that story last night. I think that's going in the spank bank. <laughs> a Denver woman was cited Thursday for allegedly causing damage to a 7-Eleven store's microwave oven when she tried to heat a urine sample. Vagina smells like dead body. <laughs> Uh, a, a store clerk reported seeing the suspect identified as Angelique Sanchez, 26, placed something in the Aurora, Colorado store's microwave before hearing a loud bang. It's like a sprinkler going off. <laughs> seconds later, uh, before hearing a loud bang, seconds later, uh, Denver's KUSA TV reported citing Aurora Police Department report. The clerks reportedly told Sanchez to clean up the mess or she would alert police. Sanchez, pull it just to pull it. Sanchez wiped out the microwave onto the floor. Afraid of vagina. 
with napkins and left. Uh, oh, and it's fucking urine. Yeah, I know. Uh. Also, they, this is also saying the police report. The clerk then called police and told them she noticed yellow liquid dripping from the microwave and the smell was unquestionably urine. That is implied 13-year-old Bush. Oh, <laughs> God, we had that one. I almost feel guilty for I, that. I don't. <laughs> Uh, the police later found Sanchez about a half mile away at a health clinic where she was, surprise, surprise, waiting to undergo a physical exam and your analysis for a potential job. It's the erection that counts. And there's a lot of weighing around. Yeah, sure. <laughs> One of the quality check measures for a urine screening involves making sure the sample is at body temperature or around 98.6 degrees. I hate a toddler. <laughs> Does Bo sound like a politician to you guys? <laughs> Kinda. Bo sounds like you would have loved this movie. He hates a toddler. Oh. <laughs> no, Bo's voice definitely rem- is reminiscent, especially whenever he's on a tear and he's really speaking from I, the heart. I kind he of, does have yeah. that politician feel to him. I kind of would. He, I w- kind of want him to tell us that he didn't have sexual relations with that woman. He probably would record that if I ask him nicely. Yeah, he I would know, probably right? do it. He's he such a good. That. Yeah, that's why I love him so much. Sanchez reportedly told police that she had cleaned up the mess and did not understand the problem. Coming to me is also what she said. Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, you. I spilled pee all over the place, but I cleaned it up. I don't know what they got a problem with. Clip. 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 <laughs> That's a clip. When I reminded her that urine blew up where people prepared their food, she told me that it was not real urine. Listen, man, all you need is vodka and cigarettes and the pounds will just come right off. Okay, it's... even if she used that fake stuff where yeah. they, they manufacture it, uh-huh. it still has all the consistency because it's it's yeah. that stuff that's used to like calibrate these machines yeah. or whatever. So what, what the fuck? Like, it's still technically pissed. I don't know. The officer said he issued Sanchez a summons for damaged property after informing her that the microwave is worth $500. I'm so scared, <laughs> and the only cure for it is semen. Sanchez was also not allowed to take the drug test that day. You can't pay your bail? Well, I could probably fix that for a blowy. <laughs> this woman should not be allowed to take a fucking drug test other than like a blood Sur- sample surprise, one. Surprise, surprise, is out of Colorado. <laughs> wow. <Yeah>. Really? <laughs> yeah. Gee, I wonder what's going on there. Yeah, right. And why are you drug testing people in Colorado? Yeah, right. Come on, that's unfair. That's what I said. You can't make weed legal and then start drug testing people. That's just fucking unfair. Vagina smells like dead body. Yeah, well, that too. Depending on the time of day. In other horse sex news. Oh, we have horse sex news? No, I don't have any. I'm sorry. Oh, come on. There's There's been a hashtag for PSYOP news for you. People uh, uh, left some stuff in there for yeah, you. Yeah, all right. Let's see here. What yeah. else we got? And while we wait. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck stain. Ooh, is that me getting a metal rod shoved up my rectum? Awesome. Go ahead. All right. Uh, Missouri woman found with loaded handgun hidden inside her vagina at a traffic stop pleads guilty to firearms possession and drug charges. Wait, didn't we do a story like in the very beginning of our show just like this? Yeah. I'm not saying that there can't be two different women. This is two different women, dude, because this ain't the same thing. Oh, uh, this is uh, posted by Chris Mount. All right, Chris. Thank you, Chris. Yeah. I think that's going in the spank bank. All right. Why I'm so excited that Chris posted something. I, I, don't, know. I don't know. Well, uh, <laughs> you're just excited by fan interaction. Yes. Um, I'm We a... love fan. Yeah. You <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting punchy. Uh, a Missouri woman who was found with a loaded handgun hidden in her vagina during a vagina? traffic stop. Well, yeah, you would be if it was armed and ready. Vagina smells like dead body. Well, I mean, you never know what that gun did. Was pleaded as, uh, and pleaded guilty on Friday to weapons possession and drug charges. Shoot some fucking ropes. Anika with Witt, the gun? 27, <laughs> pleaded guilty to two felony charges as part of the reduced sentence agreement that also requires her to testify against an acquaintance. I make money from my sex work. 
Why would the, she declare that? I don't know. Yeah. The serial criminal was stopped with Clinton McDonald, 29, on Nurse 85, just north of Bloomington. Ecstasy and heroin were also found in the car. Covered in cum blood. Ooh, Wait, who would who, buy that? I don't know, man. Gross. Witt, who appeared at circuit court in McLean County, Illinois, faced up to 25 in prison, 10 for the firearm, and 15 for possession of Class A drug. But her <laughs> plea deal could see her term slashed when she is sentenced in June. This is like traces of death fucked a porno. That's so, just, I don't understand why. The Kimber 380 handgun is 5.6 inches long and weighs 13.4 ounces when empty. <laughs> but clearly it, it probably had a bunch of rounds in uh, it, even uh, though uh, it wasn't chambered. Yeah, she was heavy. She was heavy in the in the crotch. She must have some serious fucking PC muscle control to be able to hold that gun in place. Yeah. Big. Either that or the underwear. Hopefully she doing left the, the safety on. Oh, Makes God. me think of the Texas Chainsaw remake. Yeah, the only good part of the Texas Chainsaw remake. <laughs> <laughs> Reminds me if I'm going to get you, sucker, when the guy falls down all the guns go off and he had one up in his butt. <laughs> that's just, even, that's just gotta be the most uncomfortable thing ever. It's a hunk of metal, man. Why would like, you have a gun in your, like, it's a, in her, in, 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 but, but here's the thing. It's why nature's you, knapsack, man. Why would you leave all the drugs <laughs> out but put the gun up in your Hunani? I don't know. Maybe because she like, didn't I get it, like, oh, if we get pulled over, I don't want him to find a gun on me. I'm gonna put that up here. Well, what should we do with all the heroin and, and, and ecstasy? Fuck it, throw it in the back seat. Who cares? <laughs> just leave it out so the cops won't wonder what's going Fuck on. Fuck that, because then they'll have a reason to search me and find that there's an obvious gun. Okay, so Ruha. it's gone from nature's knapsack to nature's gun holster. <laughs> <laughs> from a cock holster to a gun holster. Well, I like to keep those little soaps and shampoos that you get from hotels. <laughs> And there's the visual for the night, folks. <laughs> it's there. It's a handy place for a lighter. <laughs> and, she, and she looks so nice. Her Skype pictures just staring down at us. And she looks so nice. What's really bad is I have a very visual imagination. Yeah, I, just, I know, right? I just, it's, just, it's in there now. I'm just picturing somebody stuffing various. Not coming out. It's my fault for saying nature's knapsack. Yeah, really? <laughs> Is it more nature's fanny pack for where it's located? No, no, that's literally the fanny. Oh. <laughs> unless you're, unless you're, in, unless, <laughs> unless you're over in Great Britain, then yeah. it really is nature's fanny pack. Yeah, I gotcha. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> mm, we we have an international flair here tonight. Vagina <laughs> smells like dead body. I love well, catching that one. I on know, you. right? That's, that's great. Like my favorite thing. <laughs> All right, we're gonna take one last break here. We're gonna play a promo for yet another one of Jamie's great podcasts. We'll have a little bit of music befitting of Don't Torture a Duckling and then we will close out this really weird uncomfortable awkward yeah. fucking show I'm really I'm really uncomfortable right now mm, well if you want a fear boner then you come to the right place my name is Gary and I'm your guide to Cinema Beef Podcast every episode we not only deliver film reviews we also dismantle some of your favorite and most hated films sometimes for the better and sometimes for the worse hey hey hey, hey you shut your face if we want to hear you talk I will shove my arm up your ass and work your like All right, calm down, calm down. Every show I hope to have a new co-host, podcasters, listeners alike. That's right, I'm talking to you people. I take all comers. You're slapped. That's not very nice. The only rules, well, let's ask the best cooler in the business. All you have to do is follow three simple rules. One, never underestimate your opponent. Expect the unexpected. Two, take it outside. Never start anything inside the bar unless absolutely necessary. Three, enough. So join the insanity and please venture frustrations. I'm available on top iTunes, and Stitcher Smart Radio. Remember, here at the Sun Beef Podcast, if you got beef, I've got the grinder.
little children of the grave just to go ahead and close out the show here. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck yeah. All right, Jamie, thank you so much for gracing this horrible little podcast with your presence and upping our estimation in the world outside. We greatly appreciate it. Well, thank you for having me. I'm sorry I made you feel uncomfortable. Oh, not in any way, shape, or form. Never. If anything, you have elevated our moods and other parts of us as well. <laughs> well, I had a lot of fun, guys. Thanks for allowing me to discuss one of my favorite films with you two, which I was really looking forward to, and for good reason. It was great. Oh, well, I'm well, really glad you. that you had fun on the show. We can't wait to have you back on. Absolutely. Yeah. I could tell right away, just probably within the first conversation before we officially started recording, Matt was already sold. He wants you back as a guest for yeah. sure. Yeah, she's you're laugh right. It's great. <laughs> Jamie's the Aww. best. And a proud Thank member you. of Legion Podcast Network, just like us. You can yeah. find us, legionpodcast.com forward slash in the family. cinema-psyops. That's how I like to do it. I'm from the mountains. <laughs> we got our Facebook group where you can post the memes. Like Rudy Giuliani. Yeah. Holy Jesus. That shit's real. It happened. That's happened. We got, <laughs> a, Facebook, we got a Facebook group, Cinema Psyops, where you can post memes of any weird shit that we said on this episode that you decide to make. Any alternative photography. We even had a butchered at birth redux of the I album saw, cover. That's I awesome. I saw that. Yeah. Ken from Rhode Island did that. So nice. good work there, sir. You can find me on Facebook. I am Court Psyops. You can find Matt on Facebook. He is Matt Psyop. Now, would you like me to fire Matt and hire Jamie full-time on Cinema Psyops? Yeah? Would anybody like to have that happen? Can we just hire Jamie and have the three of us on here? <laughs> Should Matt just quit the fucking show and make it better? Email him psyopmatt at gmail.com. Should... I love Matt. <laughs> Should Court try and hire Jamie full-time and definitely fire Matt? You can email <laughs> feedback to Court, cinemapsyopscourt at gmail.com. You can twit a couple of tweets to a couple of twats of apparently your sex tape, because I guess we're into that. And, and, and we'll do a show on it. We'll review it. <laughs> no, we will not. Come on! I'm at court underscore psyop, and Matt is at psyop Matt. You can do it as a bonus episode. Why I am definitely you, not doing why that. Why don't you ever want to connect with our fans? Because I'm a prude, and that's not the way I want to connect with our fans. I feel like I'm going to get my computer a virus if we do that. <laughs> Once well, again, no, we'll use protection. It'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, we'll have McAfee. <laughs> the we'll condom for your computer. Yes. <laughs> Once again, Jamie, thank you so much for appearing on the show. We greatly appreciate it. Thank you. Glad to be here. And thank you, folks, for once again downloading and listening to this silly fucking show. Kick the fuck out of this week and make it your bitch. for that then and I'll just who I sent it to them <laughs> <laughs> some random dude is like this Nigerian prince is like hey thank you for promo but I really want your bank account <laughs> <laughs> I did send a <laughs>
Okay, this is kind of embarrassing, but why not? On Valentine's Day, I was dating this guy one time, and from work, I emailed him a picture. What it was kind of nothing. Picture? It was um, it was a lingerie photo, but it had there was no face or no no like no bare body parts. It was just suggestive, not in a, not totally inappropriate. So I emailed it to him, and then I got an email in response that said, "I think you may have sent this to the wrong email. <laughs> don't get me wrong. I appreciate the photo, but I don't think I know you." Sorry, Dad. <laughs> and I had just accidentally typed in, I mean, I just had mistyped his email by one letter, you know, and <laughs> some random guy. <laughs> that's awesome. Sorry. That is the best. You made somebody's day. Yeah, and that's to, great. And, and to us, the, what you were describing there, whether it was fully nude with or yeah, without it's face, it's, that is, it's, it's all that's, tasteful. That's and, art. Yeah. It's tasteful. <laughs> <laughs> Don't feel shame. Just know it was built by garbage people in the barn. <laughs> wow, what is your hate of Italians? I don't know, man. You better turn that down a notch. I know, I gotta get that under control. Yes. <laughs> I really? find it vile and offensive. Does anybody from Italy listen? Yes, really? motherfucker people from Italy listen. Oh, oh, I thought that was a country we were safe from. No, we're not safe from any country. Okay. Everybody all over the globe listens to this show. <laughs> we have one in every country. One in every country, nice. And one person downloading in the space station. Oh, that's good, that's good, that's good, that's good, that's good. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just fucking around. Dick licks. But I do know that for a fact we have people from Italy who are living in Italy that listen to the show. So, yeah. My apologies. I'm talking about old garbage people. Current Italian. It's just great. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I don't know. I'm talking, you know. (laughs) All right, giggle fits. Everybody ready? We're good. She started it. Whatever. (laughs) Way to blame the guest. (laughs) Sorry, go. I'm done. Uh, the little liz- uh, the little lizard, uh, the little lizard killing bastard. I gotta stop writing. Fucking wow, look at you! You try to get all fancy. Literation, literation kills me every <laughs> I time. I guarantee you wrote that down. Go, that's gonna sound fucking awesome. And if I could have nailed it, yeah, yeah. If I could have yeah. nailed it, it would have yeah, been fine. Yeah, it'd be great. As their friend, the run- first time I'm jealous of everybody in a movie. <laughs> Those kids were smoking. And I was like, that. That's oh, delicious. Thanks for interrupting me for that. I'm sorry, man. I just want you want emotion. The emotion I feel in these movies. There, I felt extreme jealousy, and I wanted a cigarette. <laughs> you haven't smoked for like five years. I still want a fucking cigarette, court junkie. All right, Matt. Had you seen this movie before? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> no. What do you want? He's still edgy about the cigarette. You're gonna have to give him about five or six more lines before he'll settle down. And by lines, I mean coke. <laughs> do you guys watch these films together? No. Or do you watch them on your own time? We watch them. Well, we we have time. to watch them separately because yeah. of our schedules and such. Sometimes, okay. if we're going to do a commentary, we watch them together while we're doing the commentaries. Yeah. But other than that, no. Completely different. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> we don't actually yeah. live together, Jamie. <laughs> no, I know. I, you could have little Skype dates or something. Despite your erotic fan fiction you keep sending me, we don't actually spend this much time together. By the way, I spoke, Damn it. By the way, I, I spoke to the authorities. You're fucked up. <laughs> you spoke to the authorities and they came to the conclusion that I was fucked up? Yes. yes. <laughs> we spoke to some doctors. I believe their official diagnosis was above normal. Above- <laughs> <laughs> no, no, they said Abby something. Yeah, abnormal. <laughs> okay. They said to- they'd never seen such a dirty fan fiction with little heart dots over the eyes. It was endearing and horrifying <laughs> all at once. <laughs> Christ, now somebody's going to actually write fan fiction for this fucking podcast. They're going to Spock and Kirk the shit out of us with it, too. (laughs) They're going to Harry and Rod the hell out of us. Yeah, Christ. I'm looking at you, Darren Wilson. Oh, Oh, Christ. He's way too inventive. That would be really bad. Or really good. All right, back to the movie here. 
What about red herring? <laughs> there actually is a character I refer to as that later. <laughs> was that a pup so named the movie Scooby-Doo? Talks yes. like a 1930s reporter? Yes. 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 That's what oh. it's saying to us. Yes, it okay. was a pup named Scooby-Doo where they constantly had the character named Red, red Herring. Herring. It yeah. was awesome. Where they accused him of that all the every, time. Fred would accuse him of him every episode. You know why you complete me, Matt? Why? That's why I wrote it in my notes. Because <laughs> I was thinking of a pup named Scooby-Doo. Nothing else in her behavior other than being a little flirty with the priest and then obviously... She has major flaws, though. I mean, she is a recovering drug addict. That doesn't mean she has major flaws. You're a drug addict. You've never recovered. I have major flaws. I'm not saying I don't have major flaws. (laughs) Just because I say someone else has major flaws doesn't mean I don't have them. Whether or not she's a drug addict doesn't mean she's a bad person. So, and And yes, that her being a drug addict, a drug addict is a flaw, but that's not a flaw that would make me like Nord dislike her. No, and it's same here. Until she starts stealing my shit for the drugs. Yeah, right. In that well, band. Or kicking him for the drugs. Then it's like, fuck, come on. <laughs> don't don't tell me you're clean again for the fifth week in a row. My smack is missing again. <laughs> and believe it or not, it didn't start going missing until you moved in. Oh, uh, she'd be walking up to you on the stoop like Snoop Dogg. <laughs> <laughs> hey, y'all smoking? And just boom, right there. Yeah, right. Yeah. Do it. <laughs> Motherfuck. Uh, I'm, I'm, I don't believe you guys are correct I on this one. I about to say, Mamma Mia. <laughs> Mamma Mia. I get it, guys. She's hot. She looks really good naked, but she doesn't defend her from everything, okay? Whatever. I'm just stating how I interpret the film. Right. That doesn't make me wrong or you wrong. It's just how I interpret Okay. And that's your perspective as well. We can yeah. stop arguing about it. It's been a long time. We had a good back and forth like this. And it's because you haven't been engaged in the show in a long time. You've been on your fucking phone. Well, you know. <laughs> yeah. I just think you're very wrong about <laughs> to quote Mark Searing from uh, the defunct badasses boobs and body count, uh-huh. she bent over and it was like a pubic cottontail sticking uh-huh. out of her ass crack <laughs> for the hookers. <laughs> Uh, all right, so strangled dead kids, check, everything good. They're Oh, they're holding the dirty drawings. <laughs> check. Check. You well, pride yourself on pulling out? Yes. Good job. I'm good at that fancy birth control yeah, method. Yeah. Then he doesn't have to kill any kids. Ah, I murder thousands every time I pull out, Jamie. <laughs> Every sperm is sacred. Every sperm is great. <laughs> Every sperm is on court's wall. And if a sperm gets wasted, God gets God quite gets irate. Quite irate. And not they're not all on my wall. Some of them end up in your mom's eye. Oh! <laughs> nice. <laughs> now let well Jamie played. talk, goddammit. I was! You're the one you just interrupted her for fuck's sake. <laughs> let her talk. Go ahead, Jamie. So cute. <laughs> <laughs> Note to self, fucking idiot, you revealed that earlier in the podcast. Go back and edit it out, then put this in the clips. That are outtakes because you're a fucking idiot. Love you, Court. You really had that written down, huh? No, no, I just realized it, so I'm telling myself later when I edit this. Oh, nice. Yeah. Look at you, leave a message for future you. I like to do that. Yeah. I always like Ted. (laughs) Hey, future Court. Future us's, please remember that you really do like doing this show and you don't want to kill your co-host. Hey, future Court, you're doing a great job. He knows. You're working really hard on this. I'm proud of you. He knows. Yeah? He knows. You know what? Your dad. Dad's proud of you, too. Think? Yeah, I do. I don't think he is. I think he is, pal. Don't worry about it. Need more tattoo. Future court, I think you left your lights on. (laughs) Check the stove, will you? (laughs) Christ, you guys are activating all of my compulsions right now. Thank you. I'm going to have to flip the light switch like five or six times, (laughs) counting out loud as I do it. Will you please wash your hands? Oh, I do. That's why they're raw. Yeah. Tune in next week. Bam, bat time. Stand bat channel. <laughs> same Fulci time, same, same Fulci channel. <laughs> All right, so we then see the same thing. dead kid time, same dead kid channel. That's so fucking hot. <laughs> <laughs> Matt laughs uncomfortably. Jamie laughs like she just got aroused yeah. by that. <laughs> Sploosh. <laughs> 
Why did you know? <laughs> oh, I know your laughs, Jamie. I listen to all your shows. Oh, oh. That sounds a little stalkerish. Let's move on. <laughs> oh, it is. It is. <laughs> Didn't you notice when she said that she lives in Michigan? I went, I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm getting a restraining order. <laughs> I was going to say, Jamie is going to do the show in studio, but then, you know, you can only be five football fields away. So Actually, it's three states. Oh, really? Yeah. Damn. <laughs> That's how we like it. They I stay three states away from her at all times. They up the ante on that one. Yeah. And I, that's fucking brilliant. Don't you think it's brilliant? Absolutely. And actually, that's going to be my next clip that's coming up here. So. God damn it. <laughs> Don't worry. You'll Jamie, cut around it. Jamie, that's what editing's for. Trust me. I it's will fix it. It's all going to sound good. Yeah. This is what I do, Jamie. This is what I do. And maybe trying to justify my hatred of priests and the fact that they're mostly all pedophiles. Uh, oh, my Lord, man. Not even most. <laughs> you are really highballing that. More than enough are. Enough to where it became, it, it's an epidemic. But anyway, I'm going to I'm gonna let that go. We're just, I'm going to ignore that. For I right doubt now. it. <laughs> no, I won't. I won't let it go. I won't let it go. I'll stop bringing it up for that now. so well-timed. I will stop bringing it up for now, and I will focus on how amazing this fucking movie is. All right. All right, I think I'm good. I, I'm I'm tapped out. I'm all, right. I'm all you know. I'm fucking punchy as you shit. You are right punchy, now. man. Wait a minute. I have an audio clip here. What, you do? what is this? The fuck do you got now? Did Jamie finally send you her? Uh... No, no. Uh... Oh, that's my promo. Yeah, that's the promo. Yeah, I was right. She finally sent you her promo. Yeah, the the fucking email thing wasn't working, so I got it here. So I can I was it. about to fuck up my speech and say porno. That just would have been right either. So I had to <laughs> I had to concentrate to say the word promo. I could do that too. For the record. <laughs> If it exists, yeah. I mean, why not? Send it to us. Yeah. I mean, it's not like we're going to view it or anything. Well, I mean, we will watch it yeah. over and over again. We just want to keep it. Yeah, we not, just want to have it. We just <laughs> want to know it exists. Yeah, it's, it's not like we would isolate clips of it and no. then post it in our group, you know, never. tastefully censored. I would never do that. I would totally not do that right away. Uh, no. No, you would never tastefully censor it. That's what you would not do. We would wait an appropriate amount of time. Yeah. <laughs> It's not like we would watch it together. <laughs> and do a commentary and then release the episode. Exactly. <laughs> All right, I'm, get, I'm getting punchy listen, here. I'm listen, ready to listen, go. Listen, that's just Jamie, but if any of our listeners have a sex tape, they would like us to go ahead. Don't open that door. Do not open that door. On. We can do oh, that. Oh, you guys are getting some fun stuff now. All right, I'm going to mute you. Can we, can we yeah, do this now? Ahead. love of dead kids those baby bones were fake god damn it i spilled pee all over the place but i cleaned it up i don't know what they got a problem with